On today's episode of Hit the Mats Podcast, an update from Roman Reigns is on the horizon. Ty Dillinger has requested a release from the WWE, and we talk about the latest pay-per-view and its connotations for the greater WWE universe. Stay tuned! Tonight's main event. Welcome to Hit the Mats. In this corner, from New Milford, Connecticut, your WWE mentor, Dan the Man. Baloney! And his opponent, from Toledo, Ohio, the filthy casual himself, Chris Hogan! Let's get it on! Today's date is February 24th, 2019. Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit the Mats Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris Holcomb. And I'm Dan the Man Maloney. And we're here to bring you all the saucy deets on everything world wrestling entertainment. This week, for those of you unfamiliar with the show, this is your weekly WWE wrestling podcast where Dan, the diehard fan, and I, your resident filthy casual, run you through our Raw, SmackDown, and NXT recaps give you the latest in wrestling news, and discuss a topic about the world of wrestling for your amusement. If that sounds like a good time, be sure to hit like and subscribe down below and give us a nice rating on your podcast services of choice. We have a big announcement just coming fresh off the press. We are now on Spotify. Both Hit the Mats and Hit the Books, our flagship comic book podcast, is now on Spotify. So if you prefer Spotify over, say, Stitcher or iTunes, that is now available for you to enjoy. So please go ahead and take a look at that right well on the uh, website there on the podcast host. And uh, go ahead and let us know what else you'd like us to be on. And we will see if we can't uh, make that happen with our RSS feed. Remember, you can always reach out to us at HTBVids on Twitter, on Facebook at forward slash hit the books. And you can check us out on our webpage at htbvids.com, where you can find links to all of these feeds, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and YouTube, uh, on the homepage there, and then you can navigate through to see plenty of other content and lists and uh, uh, different ways to contact us, what have you. We also have a Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash hit the books. This is a collective uh, Patreon that includes both Hit the Books, the comic book show, and Hit the Mats, the wrestling show as well as any future shows uh, that we may produce in the future. If you would be so kind, we would really appreciate any kind of contribution you can give, as low as a dollar, and the sky's the limit. However, if you cannot contribute, no harm, no foul. We really appreciate having you here on the show, uh, contributing, watching, listening, what have you. So please, don't feel obligated in any way, shape, or form. We're here for your entertainment. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. This week, we're going to do things a little bit differently. Normally, we would end the show with our topic, but because we had a pay-per-view, the Elimination Chamber, we're going to go ahead and jump into that first as our topic, and then we'll get into the actual shows of the day and then end with the news. All right. So, Dan, you want to run us through uh, what happened at the Elimination Chamber? 
Yeah, so the first match was on the pre-show. It was the Cruiserweight Championship match where Buddy Murphy defeated Akira Tozawa. Um, Tozawa had earned that title match through a fatal, an elimination uh, fatal four-way on 205 Live just about two weeks ago. Uh, this was a pretty good match. Um, you know, Cruiserweights ended up on the pre-show again. Um, they put on good wrestling, so that's always a little bit of a bummer that they don't get to have that moment on the main show. But uh, this ended up being a, a more loaded card than it was last year with Elimination Chamber. So solid performance from Murphy and Tozawa. They got a little bit of a crowd reaction, which was uh, nice to see for them because they work out hard out there to put sure. on good wrestling. Yep. Um, the opening match was the women's, uh, tag team championship chamber match. Um, so really entertaining, I think, uh, a lot more so than I expected. Boston hug connection, yeah. uh, Sasha Banks and Bailey are the inaugural women's tag team champions. So, which, uh, you can kind of see it, <laughs> you kind of see it coming based on who was in the elimination yeah. chamber with them. There really wasn't that much. I would say top tier talent mm. competing with them. However, it turned out to be a really solid match. You know, that you had uh, Sasha and Bailey earning it. Like mm-hmm. really, they had to start from the beginning mm-hmm. and go mm-hmm. all the way to the end, which mm-hmm. is nice to see. Um, and it also gave you just that little grain of doubt you needed to buy into mm-hmm. the whole show. Cause yeah. you know, if they had started later, you're like, Oh, obviously they're mm-hmm. going to win it no matter what. But having them start at the beginning gives you just that little grain of hesitation and doubt that maybe, just maybe, they won't be the ones to win, mm-hmm. and it'll start a new storyline or whatever the case may Especially be. Especially with the finish, I really thought that uh, uh, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose, Fire and Desire, did a really good job making building the tension in the end of that sequence. Yeah. There, there were several points at the end there after all the other teams had been eliminated, and then they had the last two, where I genuinely didn't know who was going to win, and I felt that tension. I was very emotionally invested in Boston Hug Connection, as you know. They yeah. were expected to win. They were favorites, um, but they there was some really good wrestling. Wrestling, uh, in this match, Liv Morgan had, I think, one of the best performances I've seen from her at all ever. Um, yep. Sarah Logan stepped her game up. Even Nia Jax, who you know I'm not a fan of generally, uh, throwing herself through that chamber pod at full force and making it look fantastic. I mean, yeah. these women all came out and gave 100% effort. This is a really entertaining match. Uh, I really like the ending with the modified bank statement playing up the uh, the shoulder injury that Sasha had going that was being. Uh, you know, worked a little bit by uh, by fire and desire. So, um, really, really good match. Really impressive, um, and a really um, an emotional high point. I think uh, during the night. Um, of course, there was another one in the main event, um, but uh, really set the tone for for what I thought was a really good show. Yeah, it was it was an outstanding opening um, for the show. I mean, we had their uh, less important, you know one-on-one solos matches but that that match really set the tone for the rest of the Mm pay-per-view um which you know spoiler i thought was fantastic yeah so um yeah congratulations to sasha and bailey Mm -hmm. everybody you know expected it but it's because it's well deserved well deserved not because you know they're just the heir apparent yes is sometimes the case yeah some of us got a little misty-eyed i'm here i'm here in my bailey shirt today uh (laughs) i was very very looking forward to that these these two women have contributed so much the women's revolution and 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 all the changes that have been made to women's wrestling over these years so to see her get those see the two of them get that first title together dan the man maloney was losing his mind while we were watching this match (laughs) every time he thought oh no they're not gonna let him win no no and then he'd he'd relax and his butthole would stop puckering up so tight it was (laughs) i've been screwed enough times that they made it believable 
<laughs> I thought a tragedy could be incoming, but uh, luckily they went with the safe bet, and sometimes the safe bet is the best bet, and it certainly was here. Yeah. I did like kind of uh, the nice little push that uh, Sonya and Mandy Rose were getting mm-hmm. uh, throughout the match. I mean, I, I think they started the match with uh, Boss and Hug, right? Uh, yeah, mistaken. I think so. Yeah, I but, think so. Because they were putting on a pretty good show. Even Mandy, who I usually don't really enjoy watching in the ring that much, even she was putting mm-hmm. forward a really good effort. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought they they both blew the doors off. I mean, I think just about everyone in that match had a better than usual performance. I think the Iconics were better than I've seen them in a oh, while. Oh, 100%. Uh, they, you know. they got a pin. Yeah, yeah, they <laughs> the got I- a pin. The it Iconics was, got a pin. Yeah, it was good to see the Iconics have a moment. They pinned Tamina, too. It wasn't uh, like some scrub, you know. Yeah, it was, it was uh, pretty, a monster uh, heel. So everybody brought their A game, and that's pretty, really what needed to happen to make that work. So Yeah, no doubt. Really impressive. No doubt. So what happened next here? Yeah, so the next one was the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship match where the Usos defeated the best tag team in the world, which I think is a misnomer. Because How dare I believe you? How dare the you? The best tag team in the world was actually the ones that won the match, which is the Usos. How dare you? Very. This was this was a good match fresh, too. Fresh out of jail, <laughs> <laughs> they're out of the Uso penitentiary, and they are the SmackDown Tag Champions once again. <laughs> Uh, now, this, this was good. Shane McMahon, even Shane. We were arguing about Shane a little bit when yeah. this started. Well, I say every every <laughs> single time he wrestles, he just goes all out, and it's fucking amazing. Uh-huh. Dan, not so much. I, I think he just doesn't like to see him destroy no, himself. It's, but. He doesn't. He, he's just he's wrestled ninety five matches in his career, and it shows because you don't see any technical wrestling from him. He really just does flippy stuff, his punch combinations, and then jumping off of things, which is and, all. And I those need. have a very good place. Yeah, they are. They are a good special attraction type of thing it's it's just i don't want to see him all the time i like that special attraction feel where shane O'Mac's coming out for his once or twice a year matches and then he's going to destroy himself and you're waiting to see what crazy thing he does next but he's not much of a technical wrestler because of the inexperience the usos meanwhile have uh, i actually checked this they have 951 matches Jeez. whereas shane has 95 matches so wonder that's how exactly many... 10 times more <laughs> and that shows so i wonder how many uh the miss has did you happen to look that up uh the miss has 1320 well, something there you go so the Miz has more than enough experience, the experience to offset to, to Shane keep a little dad, bit <laughs> to keep dad happy yeah I mean yeah. Shane does the flip the stuff that the, the things that Shane does he does very well it's just a limited number of things so you know you like to see him space out his wrestling a little bit because when you see the same things and then you see him again a month later yeah it's not quite as special yeah but this was Shane at his best I mean he was he was he, he was out there he, he looked really good I mean he uh he looked I thought he had like a back injury after he hit a coast-to-coast on Smackdown a couple weeks ago it didn't look that way no. <laughs> he and then was he, hitting everything he, he so. completely sold out on that table mm-hmm. when he jumped on uh one of the usos on the table mm-hmm. there he just went all yeah, out man absolutely i was like damn that man has no regard for his own personal if you safety. weren't injured before <laughs> if you hadn't pulled something before you definitely yeah. did something there yeah and i don't know if it was a kayfabe thing or if it was real but he was kind of selling it at the mm-hmm. end there and he's old enough that yeah. you're like i don't know if this is fake or real yeah you know? does, i never know what really him? hurt his neck yeah he, ever since he got that injury where he went for the coast to coast on roman reigns and roman caught him with a spear and he went all days eyed and you couldn't tell if it was if it was a, a work or a shoot and then you found out afterward he like he was really concussed and really messed up like ever since then i don't know yeah it's hard <laughs> so, to tell man you know which adds an element of tension but also makes me fear for his life but i will <laughs> i will say this of all the emotional events, and there were a lot of them in this pay-per-view, mm-hmm. for me, the most emotional event that actually shook me just a little uh, bit 
just a little bit was when Miz gets pinned. Yeah. And the first thing he does is just look at Shane and go, I'm sorry. <laughs> just like like the biggest puppy dog. Best puppy dog eyes, eyes I've seen I've in a ever while. Seen. They were and perfect. I was like, oh my God, my heart just tore in half. Yeah. The Miz has failed his daddy. They've- yes. Mr. Miz watching at home, disappointed. Yeah, proxy dad. No longer proud of him. (laughs) He has to earn real dad's pride. Yeah, I was wondering for a second there if there was going to be a turn, but they stayed together. Uh, Shane forgave his proxy son. Spoiler alert for uh, (laughs) our show review. But yeah, I, I, I was that one. That was that was one I actually bought in a little too, and I was like, okay. You know, obviously the Usos are a great tag team and deserve to win anyway. Mm-hmm. But I loved McMiz so much as mm-hmm. a dynamic that I didn't want to see them go away. And yeah. it looks like they're not going away. No, but... I don't think they are. I think so, we're going to see the two of them together for the foreseeable future. Which I'm all about. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Good to see the Usos get the win, though. I've said before, I, I think they're the best tag team in the WWE. Their in-ring work is fantastic. Their mic work is fantastic. Their promos are fantastic. There's just nothing not to like about the Usos for me. I know they've been champion a bunch of times. So, you know, maybe people are getting tired of them a little bit, but they haven't been in a while. So it still felt fresh to me. Um, The next match was the Intercontinental title match where Finn Balor defeated Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush in a handicap match to win that Intercontinental Championship. Finn Balor's first championship since 2016. So well earned, well deserved. I'll fucking take it. There's a guy that really needed some gold. Yeah. Uh, he's been very over with the fans. He's one of the most over guys in the company. He hasn't had gold in a while. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to see him get a strap. Feel bad for Lashley, who had zero successful title defenses, as far as I can tell. Nope. But, uh, you know. However, I think this actually helped Bobby Lashley. And let me explain. Okay. A, I am a huge Finn Balor fanboy. It's my favorite wrestler. Now that, uh, spoiler alert for the Raw show, uh, now that Aleister Black is on the main roster, that may be changing very quickly mm. because uh, I got goosebumps watching Aleister <laughs> Black on the, the live shows, the actual shows. Um, How can you not? That guy is he's uh, fucking awesome. He's got that paranormal presence. He's, I, it's exactly you know. what I think was missing from this generation. Mm-hmm. He's is, our next Undertaker. Which is what we need. Ba- baby Undertaker. We need an Undertaker slash Kane style supernatural thing. And I mean old Kane, not mm-hmm. like new, big, ugly monster Kane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't uh, shave his chest anymore. Oh, my God. His <laughs> weird glassy eyes. Ugh. Just put the mask back on. Um <laughs> But yeah, this this had a kind of cool dynamic where Finn, you know, basically trapped Leo Rush, who I don't know what he was thinking in the in the ring, obviously in the performance. It seemed like Leo Rush was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna prove that I'm worth something," you know. I'm gonna step in, and he tags himself in when he's facing Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. Bobby Lashley looks back at him like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Get out of my face. Did you really just tap yourself in, mm-hmm. you know, while I'm fighting this guy? Mm-hmm. And so Leo Rush jumps in, gets his ass handed to him by Finn. Finn basically traps him in a corner, knowing that, hey, victory is right in sight, you mm-hmm. know? And Leo Rush can see it. He sells it perfectly with his eyes, you know, and his reaction is like, oh no, I might have just screwed over Bobby Lashley mm-hmm. and I might have just lost us this title. And of course, Finn pins him and knocks him down and uh, gets the belt for himself. Um, obviously it's great for me as a Finn fan because now he's finally got a championship and, you know, the last one I, he got was the first universal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I believe. I and believe he had that for a day because he injured himself mm-hmm. and they made him give it up. So, 
Um, that was cool to see. I love seeing Finn with some kind of belt uh, because I think he's very talented. I, I love his in-ring aesthetic. I love his whole gimmick. I love mm. everything about Finn Balor. Although we'll see how his aesthetic is affected when those uh, perfect abs are covered up by uh, championship gold. <laughs> I did notice that. an enormous concern. I did notice that on Raw. <laughs> it, was, it was an issue. <laughs> but um, what happened next is where I think Bobby Lashley actually got a good boost where he makes it seem like he's just going to walk off like normal, you know, being angry and whatnot, while Leo Rush is in the stage. And then he stops. And, every, you know, sometimes you're like, is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? It seemed like he wasn't going to do it because before he's just not done it. But he went full rage monster on Leo Rush and just started mm. smashing him into the ground one after another after another after another. And if you want to sell Bobby Lashley as a villain, that's exactly what needs to happen. You need to show him as this giant hulking monster force that just tears apart anything that pisses him off, gets in his way, messes anything up. And that was probably the first and only time I've ever seen Bobby Lashley really encompass the villain role, or any role for that matter, because I don't think he was a good babyface either. Mm -hmm. Very that, bland. That was the first time I I saw him actually get away from that middle fence sitter position where he's just like, is he going to do anything interesting? I, I was actually invested in him after he had that whole rage out, you know, tantrum where he just crushed Leo Rush. And I thought it might even be cool if that made a whole dynamic between him and Leo Rush where he just hates Leo Rush and won't work with him anymore. And now they have kind of a, you know, like apologetic dynamic mm, slash yeah. angry dynamic. And they Aiden have, English and Rusev day. Yeah. 2.0. Yeah. <laughs> and, but unfortunately, spoilers for the show review, they didn't really do that. They kind of made amends, I guess. Mm, yeah. But no explanation, of course. But that moment was like, wow. Okay. Now I can see what Bobby Lashley's capable of. Mm. Now I can see where he would fit the perfect mold for a scary intimidating villain mm -hmm. so i was excited to see that i hope to see more going forward we'll see they tend to squander their chances with bobby lashley mm -hmm. and those types of individuals but we'll see how it develops i'm really excited yeah he got a big pop when he came back to wwe and it was all downhill from there so we'll see if they can <laughs> turn the ship around yep so the next match was the raw women's championship match where uh ronda rousey defeated ruby Riot in a very competitive exhausting uh extended contest that lasted i think about <laughs> 30 uh, seconds it, yeah something <laughs> under a minute i believe was the count i believe it was uh under a minute it may have been up to a minute and a half tops yeah uh yeah uh, it, it really sucked to see ronda rousey get a squash match against ruby riot because they had built up ruby riot pretty well leading up to this match and i thought Ruby Riot actually had some pretty decent matches, hmm. you know, on the on the regular shows leading up to this match, and I was I was pretty excited. I like Ruby Riot. I think Ruby Riot's a really solid performer. And let's face it, they need some more female villains hmm. at the moment. Mm -hmm. You know, they got some of their best female villains kind of tied up in other stuff, you know, or being a babyface now. So I thought this was a great opportunity to give kind of Ruby Riot some kind of cred obviously they're probably not going to let ronda rousey lose the belt because that's their big wrestlemania draw mm -hmm. but uh i really wanted to see more than just a squash match yeah mm. uh, you know and that was probably the low point of the show for me personally mm. you know i don't i don't dislike ronda rousey uh, and uh you know i certainly don't dislike uh ruby riot but it was just 
you're going to have a squash match for the title belt, really, hmm. on a pay-per-view. It just hmm. yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah, so I'm on the fence about it. I I I do I like Ruby Riot's work in the ring and I do want her to be presented as formidable and not just a jobber leader of a jobber stable, which is how she's been presented. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I did think that Ronda Rousey was in need of a squash. She hasn't had one in some time since I believe she squashed Alexa bliss at SummerSlam and she's gone a long time where she's really been, um, really been selling to her opponents quite a bit in her, in, in her successful title defenses. So, um, when she faced Charlotte flair, it's a, Survivor Series, when she faced Sasha Banks at Royal Rumble, even when she faced Bailey on on Raw the next night, um, she's really been. Even when she faced Natalia, uh, she's really been selling to her opponents, making them look good. Yep. Um, I think it does. You know, I I think I think that's a good thing to a certain extent, where you've got that Brock Lesnar thing, where you feel like you know you go into a match thinking they're unstoppable, but then once they get beat down for a while, you start to kind of believe. And so you can keep that person unbeaten without necessarily looking invincible. So that's got its role. But I think when you're competing with Sasha Banks and you're beating her in under 15 minutes, then you're the type of competitor that I would think would be able to dominate a, a Ruby riot. So that's kind of the balance that I think they were trying to kind of reestablish that Rousey is, you know, there are competitors that are on her tier, but she will also crush people that are not on her tier. And I think they were kind of reestablishing that. I think they were also kind of bringing back some of that ferocity that we saw with her early in her stint in WWE before she Which became is when this, she's the best before yeah. she became this smiling, you know, fangirl and, you know, yeah. yeah. Uh, so they she were became what she is in bit. real life instead of, yeah, th- she looked like the, the baddest character. woman on the planet, which is what she's supposed to be. So I, I kind of didn't mind it for that reason, but I did. I, I don't like seeing Ruby riot treated that way. Um, especially because she didn't even outlast Sarah Logan on Raw two weeks ago. How is no. it that Sarah Logan lasted longer against Ronda than Ruby Riot did? That yeah. doesn't make sense I, to me for would, continuity. Not at all. But yeah. after the match, uh, of course, is when Charlotte came into the ring to confront Rousey. And then Becky Lynch, the man, uh, fresh off a house show knee injury where uh, Charlotte Flair took out her knees at the house show, went right after that that knee injury that had been that had recovered and, and was now re-injured, came out on crutches to the ring to uh, an explosive reception from the from the Houston crowd and uh, proceeded to go after go right after Charlotte and give her a beatdown with her crutches Tommaso Champa style shout out to Champa for uh, for the crutch beatdown uh, trademark and then turned to Rousey who showed some interest in joining her and they had kind of been aligned to some extent the last couple interactions that they've had yeah and so Becky gave her a crutch and then when Ronda turned her back on Becky, Becky went after Ronda and gave her an additional beatdown, a really rough-looking one that, yeah. that busted Ronda they open busted a little bit, too. busted her head open, yeah. <laughs> she had blood running down the side of her face and in her hair and stuff, because mm-hmm. it looked like, at some point, Becky had taken a swing where Ronda didn't expect her to take the swing, mm-hmm. and she, instead of, like, protecting herself with her arms she had lowered her arms to yeah like- well it happened on the second so it happened on the second swing so becky hit ronda in the midsection she went to her knees yeah and then she kind of was leaning back and so becky was going to come from the front and kind of do like a diagonal blow to the midsection but then ronda leaned forward after she had started her swing so she was expecting to give another yeah, shot she, to got, the back, she got clipped pretty and it good. just and got her in the head and gassed her open pretty good um, didn't look all that major from the photos I saw afterward. It didn't look that major. Um, you know, Becky probably needs to be a little bit more careful with those crutch shots. She was, uh, 
I, I think Rhonda's the kind of person that's going to be asking to please hit me as hard as you can and don't worry about it because I'm a tank and I want this to look good. Yeah. And so it, Same did, with Charlotte. it did seem like she was letting loose a little bit. Um, but yeah, maybe be a little bit more careful. But it, it also made the segment look a lot better. That, that looked it like did. a genuine beatdown. It did um, look pretty genuine. Both of them were bleeding, actually. Charlotte Flair got her arm. It was, yeah, it was she bleeding from the arm behind a little bit. her elbow there. Yeah. yeah. So she got hit they were both, good too. both ended up bleeding. So a beatdown segment. You get to see the man on TV again. The, yeah. the fans were there for the man. You saw those t shirts everywhere. So. You know, just uh, just the man showing that she is not uh, necessarily happy about the situation of being replaced at WrestleMania and uh, just making sure that they don't forget that she is around. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do want to give one shout out to Ronda Rousey. I did enjoy the Sonya Blade costume. Mm. I recognized it right away. Dan, Dan and I were watching. I'm like, she's wearing Sonya Blade's costume. Yeah. She's wearing a Mortal Kombat <laughs> outfit. I'm fucking all on. And I think her Mortal Kombat Sonya Blade outfit looked way more badass than her actual, you know, mm. rowdy uh, Piper, you know, mm-hmm. kind of aesthetic with mm-hmm. the, you know, the kilt and kilt style skirt mm-hmm. you know all that stuff and she wasn't readjusting herself the whole match yeah, which she, is a really nice change of pace she wasn't uh <laughs> pulling out that camel toe there the entire time um and becky also had a x-men thing i think i, I heard some debate about whether it was x-men or kill bill the color i it, guess the color combination it looks somewhere up to kill bill, it looks, but it looks like x-men yeah it looks somewhere in between like the the brian singer x-men jet suit mm. you know maybe more of the first class like x-men first class suit mm-hmm. it looks somewhere in between that and maybe yeah the kill bill like one piece you know suit from kill bill the mm. yellow and black and yellow one i don't know which one Dang. it is it, wrestlers are freaking nerds man it looked it looked more like <laughs> the x-men one to me but it's hard to say so but that was a good segment i thought it was a good way to uh just remind everybody that the man's around and is not going quietly um so the next match was uh baron corbin and braun Strowman in a no disqualification match um now this is a match we i I, on paper we were like okay we've seen this a hundred times who cares but i think it has some pretty nice high moments especially towards the end there Mm -hmm. uh, where oh my god bobby lashley is fucking strong (laughs) you know McIntyre was there. Corbin yeah, was all there. That strength too. But Bobby Lashley was the core piece that they brought out yeah. just for that purpose. Basically, towards the end of the match, you know, they team up on Braun Strowman is getting just demolished by Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, and Bobby Lashley all teaming up against him uh, again. No disqualifications. So of course, tables are everywhere, and you know. Uh, the 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 actual stairs for the ring mm-hmm. are in the ring now, and they set it up. They put the stairs in, in in the ring, and they put a stack of tables in front of it, and then all three of them take Braun Strowman and lift him with seemingly Bobby Lashley taking the brunt yeah. of the force. Yeah, the other two were kind of just stabilizers. Like, hey. <laughs> they were stabilizing a little bit, and that's and, about it. Yeah, and then they slam him and breaking both tables, and mm. it was it was a pretty fucking awesome moment, I'll mm. say. Like, that's what I want to see. Good tribute to the shield. It was the shield powerbomb move. Yeah. Pretty fun. So that's that's exactly what I want to see personally, mm. you know, from the big monster men, you mm. know. I want to see them smashing stuff and just <laughs> wrecking the ring and just leaving, you know, nothing but waste and mm. splinters in their wake, you know. Yeah. That's what I wanted to see and that's what I got. So yeah, I thought again, that... big kudos to this pay-per-view. They really went all out on a lot of ways. Yeah, I thought this ended up being as good as it could have been. I mean, I'm really really worn out on Corbin and Strowman at this point. I just I, I've just seen it enough times but i don't know if there's i don't know if that's the beginnings of a stable between mcintyre lashley and corbin i i wouldn't hate that idea i think wwe needs more stables in general there really aren't 
hardly any stables on the main roster at all. Um, so it's fine, but it does, you know, just kind of putting these guys together because you don't really know what else to do with them. And none of them have really impressed me in a while. You know, kind of feels like the SpongeBob SquarePants uh, evil group. You know, <laughs> every villain is lemons. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. It's fine. I'm interested to see where they go with it. It seems like they're kind of spinning their tires on at least Lashley and McIntyre and probably Corbin, too, now that he's not in the general manager or authoritative role anymore. So yeah. maybe this will be a good way to find a direction for those guys. Fingers um, crossed. For the sake of continuity, I'm not really sure why Braun Strowman didn't get any help if Corbin did, because they have had that situation come up before, and someone's yeah, always come to Strowman's Kurt Angle aid. and Finn Balor, Yeah, Finn usually. Balor, someone like that. So a little strange, but yeah, I mean, I think the match was much better than I expected, like most of the matches on the card for, for the night, and and, uh, you know, I think it I think it went as well as it could have. Yeah, so, for sure. I was happy with it. And then the main event was the uh, WWE Championship uh, Elimination Chamber match. Uh, Daniel Bryan, in the end, was able to overcome the power of Kofi Mania, which was running wild in Houston. Yeah, people, <laughs> people were losing their fucking minds. It was for Kofi. running wild. And I get it. Believe me, I get it. But the dude had a buildup of one week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one week. And I, I get it. The diehard fans are all in on Kofi Kingston. He's obviously been in kind of the comedy clown role with New Day for a long time and hasn't been able to do much else just because of the nature of his character and what he plays. However, I, I think as great as it was, as, as solid as an, uh, a moment it was, I think that they just didn't give it enough time to breathe. And that's because Mustafa Ali was originally mm. supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. uh, this match originally had nothing to do with Kofi Kingston, but he got such a strong backing uh, on the previous episode of SmackDown that they just had to do something with him. Mm. And they were like, well, let's just buy into this momentum we've got with Kofi Kingston. And, you know, after his whole... You know, a match where they're setting up who was going to be last, who was going to be first, and whatnot. Um, I I just wish it had more time to breathe to get to that point, mm. to that epic moment. And it was an epic moment. I don't want to take anything away from Kofi Kingston. He was great. But the problem is everybody in that ring was great. Mm. Everybody, I, I mean, probably the least entertaining of the entire group was like Hardy. Mm. But even he was going all out really selling this event making it a great match from beginning to end and I, I just wish if they were going to go that route and it seems like they're going to based on the regular shows uh going forward i just wish they, it, they would have gave it more air to breathe uh mm -hmm. and more space uh, i get it you know it was a last minute substitution because of an injury uh, and they didn't necessarily know how much momentum he was going to get but uh, i just I don't know. It just wasn't as great as I think it could have been and had the potential to be. Mm. Um, I love that Daniel Bryan is still the champion just because I love the whole ridiculous aesthetic <laughs> of the Captain Planet, Daniel mm. Bryan, you know, uh, going out there and having this great rant every week and having Rowan backing him up, quoting Galileo and brandishing his all natural hemp belt mm -hmm. <laughs> with made with the wood of a fallen oak tree and natural <laughs> shells <Naturally> yeah <laughs> just it's it's wonderful and i i'm glad that dean o'brien won in the end but it seems like a lot of the fandom was disappointed just because mm. there was so much momentum behind kofi kingston so i don't know 
how everybody walked out of that event and how they felt about it. But I think it was a perfect balance of maintaining the the kind of aesthetic you need going forward to keep the hype up around the whole Daniel Bryan uh, kind of circus act, which may be coming to a close soon. We'll see. Mm. Um, and the whole momentum, the last second explosive momentum you were getting from Kofi Kingston. They allowed Kofi Kingston to really shine mm-hmm. all the way to the very end, which mm-hmm. they should. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that was probably the best way to handle it because you didn't just hand it to the guy that had the instant momentum. You actually gave him a, a, a real spectacle, a real display of his talents, uh, let him perform to the you know high degree that he can and is capable of, but is often bidding the word for because he works under a comedy troupe. Mm. And uh, I was really impressed. I thought it was a great showing uh, by everybody involved. Um, but I, I just I wish there had been just a little bit more uh, time for Kofi to develop in the storyline to build that hype even more mm. and maybe even give him the belt in the end. Mm. You know, Unfortunately, it's really hard to justify giving the guy the belt when he, he came in as a substitute a week mm-hmm. ago. Mm-hmm. It just it doesn't it doesn't work very well. Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, well, I'm going to disagree with your fir- first point just because I think that this the crowd reaction and the way they ended the show. I think it shows th- the fact that this has happened in six days shows I think that they've got something special on their hands. Um, I mean, the, the, the condensed timeline is just all the more indicator that the fans are hungry for this. I think there are a lot of people out there that have felt for a long time like Kofi deserved some kind of good singles push before his career was out. He's been with the company since 2007. You know, he had a brief time where he was sort of moving in the direction of being a title contending singles competitor. Uh, and then he had a famous moment with Randy Orton where the two of them were in a number one contenders match. Uh, Kofi screwed up the finish a little bit. So uh, what was supposed to happen was that Randy Orton would would hit his little head punt and then he would hit the RKO on Kofi and then that would end the match. And instead what happened was Kofi didn't get in position for the head punt and just waited for the RKO. And then there was this, you know, now infamous moment where Randy Orton is screaming stupid, stupid at him on live TV with the mics picking it up before just hitting the RKO and ending the match and apparently went to the backstage. And at this time, Randy Orton was the top star in the company besides Cena and apparently just trashed Kofi, totally killed his push. He's never been back in singles competition again because of that. So I think there's been a lot of feeling like Kofi deserved this for a while. I bet I I know (laughs) that there were a lot of people that were really satisfied to see Kofi pin Randy Orton specifically in this yeah, match. Yeah, a sure. little bit of redemption there for him. But I think this is something, you know, people have complained about with WWE for years is that they don't capitalize on this kind of thing, that they stick to whatever plans that they had regardless of crowd reaction, that they have the Batistas of the world win the Royal Rumble to a hail of booze, that they stick with Roman Reigns when every time he's on TV they're chanting Roman sucks and they're still pushing him in the main event. So this was this was a case where there was an organic fan movement behind a guy who had, for a long time, a lot of people felt like he deserved more than he was getting. He got an opportunity because of someone got injured. Kofi Mania exploded out of nowhere, and WWE adapted and immediately capitalized on it. And I don't think that this is the end of Kofi's story. I think this was a really good starting point. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with the fact that they're riding the wave of the momentum instead of pushing against it like they do so often. And they did that with Becky, too. Well, and that's another, and that, So I think we're seeing they're starting to understand that when they get these kinds, when they get this kind of energy behind someone, it's okay to adjust your plans and capitalize on it and push that person and get behind them and strike 
strap the rocket to their back and see where it takes you. Which is what I think they did. <laughs> I think they totally bought into the momentum. They made it so that he could shine through the entire pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. But I think it was it would have been improper to actually have him take the title at the pay-per-view mm-hmm. six days after he was introduced and six days... When Kofi first went into the ring, he was not getting that big crowd reaction on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that he battled through everybody that you expected to beat him, that he pinned Daniel Bryan, that he, you know, um, he beat uh, Hardy in the ring. He beat Samoa Joe unexpectedly. Like, he, he put on a great performance, and then he had that great character moment with AJ Styles, and mm-hmm. that's what pushed him really over the mm-hmm. top, where they're like, 11 hey, years! Hey, 11 years! Give this man some fucking respect. Mm-hmm. That's what pushed him over the edge. I don't think his introduction mattered to most people until mm-hmm. he started making that great spectacle, that great show on SmackDown, and that's where most of that momentum was coming from, in my opinion. Well, I, I think part of that, though, was just that most when, people he was, aren't even when aware. he was first inserted into it, he was kind of just a substitute, a placeholder. So I don't think anyone expected that he would be as competitive as he was exactly. so once they saw it exactly. then, then they realized there it could actually be something to get behind yeah. here so I think I, I still think that there were I, I still think this kind of thing doesn't happen instantaneously I think that there were feelings about Kofi that have been lingering beneath the surface for a long time and then seeing that performance has brought all of those things out so I, I don't think it's just you know some guy that's in a comedy troupe on the mid card had a moment and now everyone's behind him I think there have been a lot of underlying feelings around him and his treatment and really there is a large segment of the fan base that feels that black wrestlers in general haven't been treated great in the main event scene for a very long time. You know, there's part that's part of it, too, I know, for a fair number of fans, and there are fair complaints about that, too. Um, so I just think that there were a lot of feelings that were dormant, that were kind of just brought out um, when when he got this moment in the gauntlet match where he had the great performance, because then it felt like, holy crap, the way they're treating him here, he looks really formidable. Maybe he yeah. can win. So let's get on board. And I think that's exactly what they're going to do. I mm-hmm. think they're building towards a storyline. Spoiler again for SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Kofi pins Danny Bryan mm-hmm. on SmackDown. It's not a title match, so mm-hmm. he doesn't lose his belt. But mm-hmm. clearly, they're setting up that hey, you should fear Kofi because mm-hmm. he may be coming for that belt, and that I think that's clearly what's going to happen. Yeah, or at least probably should happen. Mm-hmm. We'll see if they adjust or not. But yeah, I think clearly they're going full steam ahead with his momentum, and I think it was the appropriate action to have him put on this great spectacle, this great showing, pin Randy Orton, mm-hmm. and then just come up just a little bit short of Daniel Bryan so that Daniel Bryan can finally conclude this whole overarching Captain Planet storyline that Mm -hmm. he's been pushing Mm -hmm. and then transfer into giving Kofi his final, you know, uh, acknowledgement in the form of the belts and a great match with him a real chase. Yeah. Nothing wrong. Give him a real chase. And you couldn't really, you couldn't really ask for a better partner to go against, you know, with Daniel Bryan because Daniel Bryan is excellent in the Mm -hmm. ring. He's, he's very technical and Kofi has some technical skills from what I've seen, but mm-hmm. it seems like he's more of a guy that you like to see with the striking and the the high flying a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, he's mm-hmm. he's got a nice little balance going. Yeah, I like and, the contrast of their styles. It's yeah. fun. And I think it's perfect for the action going forward where Daniel Bryan in his current character is very serious, you know, and wants to send a mm-hmm. serious message mm-hmm. where Kofi is not. Kofi yeah. is kind of the comedic, you know, laid back, you know, I'm the guy, but... Now he's getting a little bit of steam because he's proving that, hey, I'm still capable of doing this this real-time mm-hmm. solos you know, expertise. And uh, that's cool, and I think that was the appropriate action going forward. And uh, you know, I'm not saying that it shouldn't happen. I'm saying that's 
it would have been inappropriate, I think, to do it just six days later mm -hmm. after he just popped in as a random substitute. But it is very cool to see, and clearly he's got a big push behind him, both mm -hmm. from the crowd and from the company, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, Kofi Mania is trending on Twitter. Even the Kingslayer uh, got in on the action this weekend, so a lot of energy behind him. So for the show overall, I gave it a 7.0. Um, I thought that there were a couple matches that really exceeded expectations, and I thought there were a couple matches that were as disappointing as I expected. Um, I think the emotional high points of Boston Hug winning the first women's tag titles at the beginning and then the emotional high point of Kofi getting the standing ovation being with his new day brothers going going into the locker room as the show faded out I think those were two yeah, moments that was a great visual. that made the pay-per-view yeah, that we, made the pay-per-view I mean this was a pay-per-view I did not have high expectations for and I was really impressed and it was an emotional ride and I think they did a great job it was just a couple of uh, filler matches in the middle that I didn't like that brings the grade down a bit for me okay yeah I would I'm right along with you I'd give it a seven myself um i I think there was a lot of great stuff to be taken away from. I, I think that every match that we thought was going to be bad was actually pretty solid to great. Mm -hmm. um, the women's elimination match, the, the the men's elimination match was great, as we expected. Um, the Even the kind of... Better than uh, I expected. The Braun Strowman, Baron Corbin thing, even that was at least solid mm -hmm. and had a great, you know flashy ending that was fun to watch uh, the whole dynamic where bobby lashley got a little bit of a push and the and finn finally getting his belt um that was great uh, i think there was a lot of good to be taken away from and i think there's a lot of momentum now to go forward i think again my biggest weak point for the show was just the squash match where you know ruby riot just got squashed immediately mm -hmm. and then that introduced the time frame for becky lynch to come out and uh, Charlotte Flair to come out and make some chaos and that was cool but I would have rather seen at least something mm. from Ruby Riot mm -hmm. you know and that that was a little disappointing but other than that I'd say really really good pay-per-view really solid and uh, like I said I also give it a seven yeah good job guys good job Elimination Chamber so again that's our topic for the show uh, we just wanted to uh, go ahead and put that at the front because obviously it took place before the uh, show reviews so uh, let's go ahead and get into Raw. So the big point uh, of the Open was the introduction of four NXT characters uh, finally, yeah. finally coming to the main roster. Aleister Black, NXT, NXT. <laughs> Ricochet, uh, Johnny Gargano, and Ciampa were all introduced to the main roster and will now be on the main roster going forward. And holy fuck was this hype. This was hype. Ha <sighs> <sighs> Now, never been so excited about Raw. <laughs> I will say this: Raw still found a way to suck. Uh -huh. It was yeah. very average. They weren't enough. It was very average, <laughs> and believe me, they did their best. Heck yeah, to bring this Ooh. fucking show to watchability. Ooh. It was still just average. Mm. It was fine. Mm -hmm. It was fine. It was fine. It was. It was fine. Mm. It was, was it though? No, no. But was it though? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, so our our first uh, kind of big match was uh, Strowman once again fighting with Corbin. This is becoming becoming Brady Manning. Only they're not good. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we had a little a little appearance of an injury with Strowman. Uh, he had you know obviously the damage done from the pay per view, mm -hmm. and he was very much selling that. So had his had, had the, his brand name Rock Tape all yep. set up. The tape all over his back and whatnot, and of course, you know, Baron Corbin was trying to sell it, uh, but 
in the end, it was just a boring fucking match and just another another thing we didn't want to see. It it made sense to make them hate each other when it was the whole dynamic that Baron Corbin had just been ejected from his management position mm. and he was pouting because he wasn't getting the title shots he thought he deserved. And then he framed, uh, you know, Braun Strowman. So Braun Strowman lost his opportunity to fight uh, Brock Lesnar. And then he flips the limo and all that stuff. That's when it was appropriate to have them fighting. It's now like a month later, mm. month and a half later. It's, yeah. it's not interesting and anymore. even longer since the original. I mean, the original feud started with Corbin screwing uh, Strowman over at the Crown Jewel event in his match against Brock yeah. Lesnar for the vacated Universal title. And it's just been going on and on and yeah. on. I don't know how many matches we've seen involving these two way guys, but it's way too, way many. too many. I just, I mean, I'm mildly interested the first time they go at it. But, it, I mean, we got to be going on 10 times they've gone yeah. at it in these last few months. Baron I just can't Cor- take it anymore. Yeah, Baron Corbin is a good villain. Just have him do something relevant. Mm-hmm. This isn't relevant. There's no title shot in mm-hmm. the mix with these two guys. It's just purely a match to have a match. Mm-hmm. Every single week, we're seeing them over and over and over again, and it's just it's wearing out its welcome very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the big problems with Raw right now. And this match was so long. It was it way did too not long. Stop. It just way kept too going long. and going and going. Yep. And then the finish just came out of nowhere. Like you're gonna you build that match up like that and then you just end it in super telegraph predictions. Yeah. And then I don't as, want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's very distressing as a as as people that have to watch the show every week. Yeah. We don't want to be wasting our uh, time. We want to uh, be entertained. They got me all excited with the NXT, and then they make me sit through that and kill all my buzz. Yeah, it really did kill all the momentum. <laughs> Without a doubt, it did. Um, as uh, uh, Strowman is walking out, Paul Heyman mm. walks out to give a nice little uh, promo for Brock Lesnar. The advocate. And it was it was very entertaining to see Strowman just contemplating whether he should smash mm. him through the table that was next <laughs> to him or not. Um that was fun to watch and to see, you know, Paul Heyman basically wet himself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Strowman walks off and doesn't do anything. Again, making this way less entertaining than it could have been. But, you know, <laughs> that's raw. Uh, Paul Heyman gives his little uh, speech about Seth Rollins, sucks Seth Rollins' dick, and then uh, commences in telling him how he's going to be crushed by Brock Lesnar, the unstoppable force, blah, 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 blah. And Paul Heyman's great, so you know uh, I'm all, I always welcome uh, Paul Heyman. But uh, once again, Brock Lesnar not there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Seth not that impressive as usual in his promos. He's just he doesn't. I don't know what it is about him. He seems to he say come, all the right things. He seems he just to falls do it flat. fine, but yeah. I don't feel anything. He just falls. I don't flat. feel anything. Yeah, he's great in the ring. Obviously, he's mm-hmm. amazing yeah. in the ring. But yeah. he's just top three for me. He falls so flat in yeah. everything he does promo wise. I don't feel it with him. Yeah. Next up, we had a, uh, uh, a Finn Balor tag team match where he teamed up with Ricochet and uh, fought Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush, which conveniently made up, I guess. I don't know. I, I was hoping there would be kind of more of a hatred dynamic between Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley, you know, where Leo Rush yeah. is trying to earn back his no approval. Explanation. But no, no, we just dropped that. <laughs> They're just whole, friends again. All the momentum we had, we just dropped it. Um, and of course... Uh, Finn Balor and uh, Ricochet win, mm-hmm. uh, protect the title belt. Obviously, I don't, I don't think this was a, a a title match necessarily. No, this um, is just uh, it was just a it was an opportunity to give Ricochet yeah. some some camera work Something and let him let him do some cool flips and whatnot and show what he can do. And it was a fun match. I like seeing Leo Rush out there with uh, you know I, I I was pining for Leo Rush and Finn Balor to go at it at Elimination Chamber and they really didn't 
go at it directly all that much. And uh, this, we got to see Leo Rush wrestle a little bit, and I yep. think he's a really good wrestler. So seeing him with Ricochet, seeing him with Finn Balor, I think there were a lot of fun moments in that match. Ricochet, of course, you know, an average match for Ricochet is eye popping to any average fan. Yep. Um, this crowd was really bad all night. Oh man, I forgot it, to mention that was that. the story of the night for yeah, me. This and was this was an, a perfect example. <laughs> yeah, the, you're you're exactly right. I actually wrote it on the top of my notes, and yeah. I forgot to I forgot <laughs> to mention it. Worst crowd ever. Is Pop, my, is literally. My Literally ever, literally ever. It was, you can't get worse. It was so flat and yeah. just nothing. I've never and seen I, anything like it. I get it. There was a handful of boring matches and events in this uh, this thing. It wasn't that boring. No. It, there should have been at least something, especially mm-hmm. when the NXT guys were in, because mm-hmm. they were putting on a fucking show. But yeah. these this crowd was fucking awful. Yeah. Just atrocious. I mean, the biggest reactions they got all night was just when Ricochet did some of his eye-popping stuff, and they went, oh... You know, they yeah. weren't cheering. They weren't happy for him. They yeah. weren't thank you. They weren't this is awesome. Yeah. It was just oh, whoa, yeah. that was kind of crazy. Was, it was a really they bad flat, crowd. Flat, flat. It took all the energy out of some really good wrestling that happened on this show. Yeah. and it was. I really hope that Lafayette, Louisiana, is blacklisted by WWE moving <laughs> forward. They do not deserve any <laughs> they more were shows. Awful. At least they yeah. don't deserve any more televised shows because yeah. that was I couldn't believe what I was seeing with them. It, yeah. it took and all the energy out of the room. When I think of Louisiana, I picture like the Saints crowd where they're just ridiculously yeah. over the top and loud and boisterous and on the edge of being assholes you know like that's what i picture when i think of louisiana sports mm. and entertainment this was the exact yeah. opposite well, there's just nothing you want to talk about filthy casuals i heard i heard someone tell a story who was there on wrestling twitter where they said that they overheard two people talking behind them and those two people thought that they were at WrestleMania because there was a WrestleMania sign above their heads. Are you serious? That's actually. Oh my so you want to talk filthy casuals? No, that's extra filthy casual no, right there. That's what that crowd. That's was. not even. They didn't casual. know what that's, was going on. That's just guy they pulled off the street because like didn't fill all the seats. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't. They yeah. didn't know who the NXT guys were for sure. They didn't. They barely reacted to Seth Rollins. Seth Monday Night Rollins barely got a reaction from this crowd. Yeah. And when Seth isn't getting a reaction on Raw, you it's know not, the crowd is dead. Not good news. Really disappointing. Yeah. And really. It's, it's too bad for these NXT guys that all had great debuts, including yep. Ricochet, who did great in this match and was super entertaining, as always. Yep. Um, so, uh, once again, Ricochet gets... Uh, I think Ricochet got the pin, correct? Because, mm-hmm. of course, we're mm-hmm. pushing the new guys. So, yeah. of course... Uh, spoiler alert yeah, they the won 40 yeah the nxt guys won every single match they were in for both raw and smackdown mm. big surprise there mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but obviously they're getting a very very generous strong push mm. from everybody involved i welcome it fully because they're fucking <laughs> I awesome. welcome it yeah. fully this isn't like ec3 or something this is like yeah. top tier nxt the best that they fucking have going forward yeah I was surprised that not only did they push all four of their best guys, mm. but they also gave them such a strong push in mm. both shows. Mm-hmm. Like they were the focus of both shows after a pay-per-view. You know, I was I was very impressed. Yeah, and uh, rumor qualifier, but I did hear this uh, floating around in the internet wrestling community. I've heard it said that uh, Vince McMahon decided he wanted to bring some NXT guys in to give the main show is a shot in the arm a little bit and he basically just went to triple h he basically just went to triple h and said who are your best guys and 
I, you know, I, I'm not going to pick them. Just tell me who your four best guys are and bring them over here. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently those were the guys Triple H picked, if this story is true. Yep. And if so, excellent choices, Papa yep. H, because yep. all Triple of these H, guys were sensational. Tri- Let's face it. Triple H just needs to be in charge of the entire Please, company. Please, immediately. He is immediately forever. I love Vince as a character <laughs> on the show. Mm. I do not love Vince as yeah. a manager of the show. Can we just make him uh, the queen of WWE <laughs> where he's just like, <laughs> he, he makes, just comes makes down from his ivory tower and waves at people yeah. and then goes back to not doing anything or making any decisions? Yeah, I love when he comes out in his big walk, you know, yeah. and I, I love the way he sells his voice on the mic. Yeah. I love how he's such a big fan of Charlotte Flair. You know? <laughs> I just, I love everything about Vince except for the behind doors stuff. Yes, and I, yes. Papa H. At least from what we hear and what we think we know, we could be completely out of line. Who knows? Um, But yeah, I would love it if Triple H became the main uh, person in charge of everything. NXT invasion angle incoming? Uh, Next up, we had a uh, tag team uh, matchup where the Revival, uh, with their brand new shiny belt, went up against uh, Gargano and Champa. Hashtag DIY. And again... NXT guys won because they were getting them a really nice push, but it was a really entertaining match. Awesome match. It's really awesome entertaining match. match. It was probably probably the best match of the night, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, stole uh, the show for me. Yeah. John, Johnny Wrestling really showed what he's all about. I'm a huge, huge Johnny Wrestling mark, as you know. Yeah. Um, you know, he had it. <laughs> that was really the match where I fully understood how bad the crowd was because yeah. Johnny Wrestling was putting on a clinic at one point where he was taking both these two guys out and. He was looking for something, anything out of the crowd and was just getting crickets. And it it took so much out of the moment when he's working so hard out there. And he was absolutely sensational. Ciampa was sensational selling uh, the knee injury on the outside and popping in and out at just the right (laughs) times. You know, these these are two of my favorite tag teams in the company, along with the Usos. Um, Just an absolute clinic, much better than 95% of what you see on Raw week to week, which is what the which is the value that these NXT guys bring to the show when you call them up for a showcase like this. Yep. Um, next up, we had uh, McIntyre making a case that he wants to be a WrestleMania and this and that. And then Dean Ambrose in his very chaotic original <laughs> form comes up and slaps him mm. across the face and goes, you still want that match now? And then he turns around and walks off. Mm. And of course, <laughs> you know, Drew McIntyre set up the damn match and turns around <laughs> and goes after Ambrose. And then, unfortunately, it was just a squash match. Yeah, not good. So Dean Ambrose just got crushed, and it was just like, okay, well, that was fun, I guess. Yeah, the promo Um, was much better than the match. Yeah, and then Rollins has a nice little promo right after. And then, again, my favorite version of Dean Ambrose comes up and goes, Hey, bro, why didn't you help me? Yeah. And Seth Rollins is like, do you realize how much you <laughs> fucked me over? Are, Are you, you out of your mind? And then, of course, we got one of the great facial expressions in the history of <laughs> WWE. <laughs> it really I've was never great. seen anything like it was, that. It was exactly what I want to see from Dean Ambrose. Quintessential Ambrose. And that, that, along with the NXT performances, is what made the, the show for me and made it average mm-hmm. instead of bad. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the few times that the crowd actually had a little fun and did something. They actually laughed at Dean yes, Ambrose's yes, reaction. Uproarious. That's the, that was the only <laughs> time in the entire show that there was actually mm-hmm. something significant coming from the crowd. Sad, sad. And it was a backstage promo. Yeah, yeah, so disappointing. Yeah, so that was... I was I was entertained to watch the promo. Again, Seth Rollins comes in a little flat, but mm. Dean Ambrose kind of saved it. Um <laughs> Next up, we had uh, Nia Jax and Tamina come out and uh, call out Bailey and Sasha, and um, that I I know you love Bailey. You got the shirt on. You're hugging you're, is you're, my business. You're a hugger. Business is good. 
I am not so full full disclosure. I do not like Bailey's gimmick. I don't like the character. She's good in the ring. I get it. She's very Great. talented in the ring. Great. But everything else about her, I can't stand. And this was the worst display of mic work I have ever seen. <laughs> period. You haven't seen much of Bailey then. <laughs> I, that was Bailey's mic work on this little, you know, nonsense, you know, promo, I guess you could call it, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. It was just, it was so cringeworthy. I had so much trouble watching it. <laughs> and like, you could see it in Sasha Banks' face where mm. she's just like trying not to, she's trying to help her buddy out, you know, but it's just not working. Mm. And it's, it, it was bad, mm. you know. And yeah. Nia and Jackson, Tamina, the were, horrible crowd didn't help. Yeah, the the crowd was definitely not helping at all. I think they got more reaction than anyone did the whole night, to their credit. But it's still the best yeah. reaction out of this crowd was still almost nothing. I mean, as long <laughs> as this tag team's a thing, just let Sasha have the mic. Mm. That's that's yeah. all I ask. Because mm. I uh, Bailey, she's she's rough on the mic. Yeah, she's I think very rough. On I the think mic. it's the main thing that holds her back. I mean, there is a reason that that I think uh, the other three horsewomen have had much bigger runs on the main roster than she has. There's a reason that they were called up before she was from NXT. Um, and I think the promo work is her number one problem, the number one obstacle to her re- reaching that next level of star. Um, I I love her in ring work. Um, I think that she is my favorite in ring performer among the women. I think the way she tells stories, I think her diverse move set, I think the way she's always innovating, I think the uh, the physicality of a lot of the things that she does are just they're really really sensational to me. I think she's so good in the ring, so I'm a big fan for that reason, and because she's one of the most passionate people in the in- industry about professional wrestling. Um, but her mic work, I just don't understand how it hasn't gotten any better after all these years. She had a lot of time to work on her speaking when she was nxt women's champion um and we're still years later and it sounds exactly the same it has a total train wreck whenever she starts speaking it is really disappointing because i think she's capable of such great things but i think the most i think the most uh consequential part of this segment was that they announced that they would be defending those titles across all brands including nxt Um, which opens up the possibility of the match that I've been pining for since Boston Hug became a team, which is Boston Hug Connection versus the Sky Pirates. Uh, I I really hope we get to see that match before Boston Hug's uh, title run is over. Kyrie Sane with a main (laughs) roster belt. As much as I definitely want to see that too. uh, (laughs) I mean, if you were to put those two teams together at an NXT TakeOver event, it would blow the roof off the place, and it would be a match of the year candidate immediately. These These are the two best women's tag teams in your company and you now have the possibility of floating on over to nxt and challenging the sky yeah. pirates and making it happen everybody would go absolutely insane for that match it would be a fantastic match those are four next level performers that also work great together and have tons of chemistry yep. as far as the individual teams so hopefully we get to see that happen i'm happy to see that they're doing that they're not limiting them to one show um they need to be able to float around they need to kind of be free agents i you know I, I really I, I believe in the brand split, but allowing people to float around a little bit, I think, is a good thing and an important thing. So yeah. I was really happy about that part of the announcement. But the promo overall, definitely cringeworthy. For sure. Um, I th- we're going I assume we're going to talk about this in some future episode, but I think this might be a possible solution for the belt issue mm-hmm. that I currently have with the show where mm-hmm. I think there's just too many titles. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, having the, the women's tag team title crossover there's a lot of belts there's, there's a, a lot, lot of belts. there's a lot intercontinental <laughs> universal united states uh smackdowns wwe championship it's just the wwe championship but it's on smackdown um got 
both the tag teams for the men's, the female tag team belt. Um, and then if you throw on NXT's belts, like it's, it's just yeah, you got three more. That's a four lot more. Yeah, five more. Yeah, the two hundred five <laughs> lives belt. You got thir- you got about fourteen belts total, I think. Yeah, it's a lot of belts. It's a lot of belts. It's a lot of belts. Um, next up on the show, uh, we had a funny little Elias uh, introduction. Uh, Elias being what he's good at, a clown mm-hmm. <laughs> with a guitar. <laughs> uh, and then we had a fucking awesome introduction for Lester Black. Mm-hmm. And it, it follows suit in SmackDown, so it wasn't just this show. But, yeah, I got goosebumps. <laughs> I got goosebumps from How can you not? both of his introductions. I did not know he was going to be fighting Elias. Mm. Um, Elias is one of the guys I just don't like watching in the ring. Mm. But a Lester Black... Alistair Black throwing his fucking monstrous kicks yes. was what made yep. the match great. Just hearing the fucking smack of those kicks yeah. and like seeing how technically sound they are yeah. from a martial arts background. Yeah. like kickboxer. And it shows. <laughs> man, it was fucking awesome. And I love the whole bouncing off the bottom uh, you know, rope and then just going straight into mm, his little yeah, trance that's pose. That's a signature thing. And it's Vintage just, Alistair Black with when his he mind d- games. When he does it perfectly, especially like right in front of his competitor who's mm-hmm. like picking himself up that's that's when it's fucking amazing mm-hmm. and like this entire match alistair black by himself gave me goosebumps this entire match and it mm-hmm. it made me feel like a kid again mm. that's probably one of the few times since i've gotten back into wrestling with you that i really felt like a child again like mm. i felt like i was watching stone cold steve austin fighting the undertaker and some big giant pay-per-view or something you know the rock coming out and you know taunting stone cold steve austin in the face and then having this monstrous match or seeing mankind smash through the top of the cage you know whatever the case may be i felt like a kid again and that's a very good sign mm. And I hope they keep pushing him going forward because he has one of the coolest gimmicks. He has one of the coolest uh, just outfits and yeah, looks. looks. Great. He has the, a, a fucking amazing in-ring performance, not unlike Ricochet and uh, Johnny Gargano and Champa. Like he has, he's the whole package for me as a fan, mm. and I I want to see more of him now. Yeah, absolutely. immediately, absolutely. everywhere. I don't care what show it's on. I want him on all the shows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I want more of Alistair Black, and I fucking love it. Yeah, I, I was saying, I called him Baby Undertaker earlier, and I think he really is the guy that is best positioned to take on that mantle of being the next generation's paranormal guy, you know, somebody that's coming, that feels like he's coming from another dimension, that there's just something supernatural about yeah. him. He just has a presence that Which, is intimidating what, and terrifying yeah. and compelling and interesting and yep. absorbing. And uh, his, yeah, his in-ring performance skills are top-notch. He yep. has the best kicks in the company, for sure, for oh, obvious man. reasons. Mine just kicks. Uh, love, now, love the fade to black finisher. You never know when it's coming, and when it hits, cool you, names know, for his you know moves it's too. over. All, yeah. all of his moves or, have sorry, cool the, names. The black mask finisher. Yeah, black when, mask, when you get fade to with, black. When you get hit yeah. with the black mask, then yeah. you fade to black. Just fucking amazing. <laughs> just amazing character. Amazing performer. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see more. And I just want to stress, as I do on every single show, if you're not watching NXT, start watching NXT. If you found any of this compelling, this is NXT every week. This is the product that they're putting on. Yep. We're getting a, we got a showcase of it on Raw and SmackDown. We're probably going to get some more showcasing, but NXT is a phenomenal wrestling product, and you're just seeing you're just seeing a snippet of it here. To be fair, you're seeing the greatest snippet of it, mm. the top tier snippet of it, but yeah. still, you're yeah, I mean, you're, you're getting seeing, a very awesome product you're seeing, from NXT. You're seeing you know ten ten minute matches from Alistair Black, whereas in NXT at, at takeovers, he's putting on fifty yeah. minute matches, and yep. you're seeing some of the best matches that have ever been done. So you're, yep. you're still getting just the taste. You are getting the best talent, but yeah. watch, NXT, watch NXT. Watch yeah. NXT. Watch 
the TakeOver events. If you if you have your WWE Network subscription already for any reason and you're not watching NXT, you are wasting your money. That yeah. is where the money is to be used. Watch those shows, for sure. Great, great wrestling product. And one little complaint in my notes from fucking commercials. Come on. Can we stop <laughs> having commercials in the middle of the best matches? Yeah, like never going to happen. Put it in the middle of McIntyre squashing Dean Ambrose. <laughs> have them fight for five minutes instead mm. of two minutes and just put a commercial in the middle. I'm okay with that. Hmm. Don't put it in the middle of the fucking <laughs> awesome matches yeah, see, that we're getting from... They know you'll stick around. That's how they get you. <laughs> Will I, though? Will I? Don't test me. <laughs> I'm very shallow. And then uh, finally... Fake all! <laughs> exactly. Um, and then finally, we had a Ruby, Ruby Riot uh, come out and fight uh, Ronda Rousey again. This match was much, much better. And gave Ruby Riot a much, much better showing uh, than Elimination Chamber. And uh, at the end there, Liv Morgan and Sarah uh, Sarah Logan go out there to kind of support Ruby Riot, But, of course, they get their ass kicked, as you would expect. Mm. And then they all, they all go limping off the stage. But this match was great, uh, in my opinion, just because they gave Ruby Riot the credit she's due that she did not get out the pay-per-view. And I think they squandered their opportunity to kind of give her a bigger audience. Um, and because, um, Rhonda is kind of back to her badass self, which is what I want to see. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, again, it wasn't the, the best match out there. Um, and I did like that really there wasn't any cheating going on, even though Liv Morgan and, uh, Sarah were out there. Like usually when they're out there, there's going to be some kind of cheating shenanigans and there, something silly is going to happen. And, the, you know, Ruby Riot's either going to get close to winning because of it, or uh, she's going to outright win because of it. But this time, they didn't even let her cheat, and she still put on a great match and looked really mm -hmm. competitive and was one of the better parts of the show. So yeah, when she hit that second riot kick, I was starting to wonder. Yeah, it was really <laughs> cool and really impressive, and I I really liked that they you know depending on whose decision it was, you know, it was cool to see Ronda give her kind of. Um, Almost like an apologetically good match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> After what we had to watch mm -hmm. at the pay-per-view where she, Ruby Riot just had to eat the pin and, you know, get squashed right away. So Yeah, kind of made up for that squash for sure. You know, I, I, I was of the position that the squash was appropriate because of the competitive nature of the matches that Ronda's had with the top stars, like, you know, three of the four horsewomen and everything else. But I love Ruby Riot as a worker, and I think she needs to be in a, in a tier above Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan, which she didn't appear to be after getting squashed even faster than Sarah Logan did. Yeah. Um, this match was pretty good. Um, I think there's a lot of chemistry there between Ruby Riot and Ronda Rousey. Uh, I was... I couldn't help but notice when uh, Rhonda jumped off the top turnbuckle that her, she slipped. Yeah. Um, and it looked like, you know, when I was rewatching the video of that moment. And when she was going to the ground, her left leg was just flailing and she didn't know what to do with it. And it looked like it, she very well could have landed awkwardly, tore an ACL, something like that. Um, but Liv Morgan actually got herself under Rhonda's leg and, and took it all the way to the ground to make sure she didn't get hurt. And this is after Liv had already pushed uh, Riot out of the way, kayfabe, to get her, to protect her. So she was reacting to that in real time and probably 
prevented what could have been a serious injury, which would yeah. have derailed the main event of WrestleMania. For so sure. props on my girl Liv for total <laughs> professionalism there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the match was pretty good. Uh, I liked it. I, I think that they work well together. Um, I did hear rumors, again, rumor qualifier. These are just rumors. I did hear rumors that Seth Rollins was expected to be at this show and was not cleared medically, and they didn't know this till the last minute. So they, gotcha. were, not, they were not done with the script for the show until the show had already started. Wow. They were still writing the script 30 minutes into wow. the show. And apparently the plan was to have Alexa Bliss come out and take a squash loss. And Oof. instead, they and instead they decided that something else got shortened because Seth wasn't there and he was supposed to wrestle for a good period of time. So yeah. they need they had some time to fill. So they decided to just throw Ruby out there and get her, give her a redemption match where she would take up a little bit more time instead of Ronda just squashing Alexa Bliss in two minutes. So I'm happy about that for two reasons, which is that it makes Ronda look or Ruby look better. And it keeps Alexa Bliss from taking a second squash loss to Ronda Rousey. I would not have been happy to see that. Um, I know there are a lot of people that don't like Alexa Bliss among the diehard crowd. She's certainly not one of my favorites because I don't think that her in-ring performance skills are up there. Yep. But I do think she is a big star in this company. She's one of the biggest stars in the women's division. She sells a ton of merchandise. Uh, she gets great crowd reactions all the time. She's probably the best woman in the company with Becky Lynch on the microphone. And that is a skill that is sorely lacking, as we were talking about before we started yeah, recording. 100%. Um, so she, she's elite in that category, elite. And uh, so I don't want to see, I want her to be someone that you can push into a main event title picture at any time that would that cause would not have been served by having her get squashed by Ronda in that situation especially because she's barely wrestled sh- since she came back from injury and her last major match was getting squashed by Ronda at SummerSlam so <laughs> yeah. I, I'm glad yeah. that that didn't happen so yeah. I feel bad for Seth that he didn't get cleared but I'm happy with the way that the apparent changes yeah. uh, I think it worked out, out okay yeah <laughs> so um in the end largely because of the crowd and largely because of a a kind of weak opening match with Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman, I gave the show the average of averages five. Hmm. Right down the middle. Mm -hmm. There was enough there to be redeeming. There was enough there to really kind of disappoint you. And the crowd was not doing this show any favors. I think if the crowd had been into it, you could have easily pushed this to a six or a seven. Yeah. But just having the kind of just worthless crowd there mm-hmm. not contributing at all to the show uh i had to give it just an average five right down the middle mm-hmm. yeah it, the crowd is the you know live crowds are the best thing about professional wrestling and they can also be the worst thing about professional wrestling when you yeah. don't get a good one i gave it a four um i think the nxt guys were super entertaining and were the best parts of the show but mm-hmm. they were about 30 minutes out of three hours the other two and a half hours nothing really blew me away it yeah. ranged from okay to pretty bad so yeah. i gave and it a four it's higher than last week I don't know if you agree, but for me, I don't know if maybe they were saving their bodies because they knew they were going to be on two, potentially three shows throughout the week. Um, but for me, I think Raw was probably the weakest showing performance-wise of the new NXT guys. They were still great, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I think they were. it seemed like they were holding something back. They, were just, they didn't have quite the same rhythm they had when they went on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. I think SmackDown, for whatever reason, they seemed to have a better rhythm. They seem to be working a little bit better. They seem to be, you know, executing more flashy moves uh, to a higher degree, especially Ricochet. I think Ricochet is the most guilty of this, where it seemed like he was holding something a little back Mm. on Raw, and then on SmackDown, he was in full Ricochet mode, in full force, doing all the flips and all the crazy moves. And not to say that he wasn't doing great eye-popping crazy moves at Mm. Raw, but I think he just pushed it a little bit more on on SmackDown than further through the week. Yeah, I gotta wonder how much nerves play into that when they're making a main roster debut. It's a huge moment for those guys. I gotta wonder how much the crowd's non-reactiveness had to do with it. Yeah. 
they've had to change things. And then also, if it is true that they had to slap together the show at the last minute, that would be a pretty good reason to hold back, too, because yeah. you weren't really sure what you were doing going into it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so and it was the- probably a combination of factors, but the fact that they can still perform that way, especially with the NXT guys who are not used to just showing up and doing a show and finding yeah. out what they're doing the day of, NXT is filmed once a month. Yeah. Once a month, they film all the shows for the month. Especially and so, if they're going to have to travel to two or three shows yeah. in one week. Like, it, that's a lot to ask. And NXT guys very usually aren't wrestling nearly as much as main roster guys. They go to a house show once a week, and then they have their once a month tapings, and they have a lot of time to work on the things that they are doing before they have to go out and do them. So this was a taste for them yep. of having to figure things out the day of. And so you probably saw a little bit of that stuff being held back, but you still saw some pretty high-level wrestling from that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, next up, we have SmackDown. Um, boy, was this a fucking show. Mm. I was losing my mind on this show. <laughs> I, I I don't think there was a low point for it for me. So let, let me check my notes and we'll see. So we opened the I show. I can think of one. How dare you? <laughs> I, I know what you're going to try to say. I won't allow it. So uh, opening the, the show, we had uh, McMiz coming out. Um, we had this whole... Uh, apology from the miz where he's very much selling the puppy dog i'm sorry daddy i didn't mean to fail you blah 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 and then we had a very nice uh mic moment from the usos as they came out and started mocking them just relentlessly the specifically usos are amazing specifically the miz they just yeah mocked him relentlessly mm-hmm. ah, love the usos and then that seems to be what at least in the character work pushed mcmahon over the edge to mm-hmm. say fuck it we're doing mm-hmm. this again yeah rematch in cleveland let's yeah. do it you know he didn't want to throw his weight around but they pushed him yeah <laughs> and it was it was very cool it was a very exciting way to start the show uh very nice promo work from mm-hmm. everybody involved love uh, seeing the uso i want to see the usos every single week thank god yep. they're champions and of course they're <laughs> having their rematch in uh the Miz's hometown so mm, yeah enjoy that um next up we had Alistair black with yet again another just childlike glee mm. goosebumpy entrance for me that just sent me over the top i mean without bray wyatt on the show there really hasn't been anybody kind of filling that kind of supernatural mm-hmm. aesthetic that, mm-hmm. that that seems to have always been present somewhere right in the wwf yeah. or wwe wcw Absolutely. whatever the case may be um and he's filling that void gloriously mm-hmm. i fucking love it <laughs> and this match was awesome because he went up against andrade which was, come on now, Ooh. come on now. You couldn't bill. You couldn't bill a better matchup. You know, for a standard everyday week show. That was like, their opening match. It was fucking <laughs> phenomenal. And it's it's it, now Selena. Correct me if I'm wrong. Selena Vega is Alistair's wife. Correct. Yes, yes, they are married in real life. So that's that's another thing that was kind of fun and entertaining. <laughs> and yet she was aggressively rooting against her yes, husband. <laughs> yes, so that was kind of cool. Like the true pro that she is. That was kind of cool to see because you had the kind of like awkward, like, is she going to hold back a little because it's yeah. in reality or her husband? Oh, no. Uh, no, she did she, not. She sold total 100%. Pro. Total pro. This is where she got uh, all that uh, weekly anger out on her husband, yes. you know. <laughs> oh, you didn't take out the trash yesterday, you son of a bitch. I did dishes twice. <laughs> you take those double knees. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I thought it was crazy that they had Andrade take the pin uh, mm. for uh, Alistair Black because 
like the other matches were a push for sure have, having elias take the pin okay hmm. you know having the revival take the pin for johnny gargano and uh champa that's significant but it's still like okay i can get it with that having andrade who's been built up with these phenomenal matches with uh uh ray mysterio has just been kind of been shooting to the sky you know with the amount of popularity he's been gaining in these these huge matches he's been having with Rey Mysterio and having him take the pin to me seemed very significant and I'm like that's a fucking push like when you have Andrade have a fucking amazing match with Aleister Black and then have Aleister Black in his Smackdown debut pin Andrade that's a fucking match that's a fucking push and I was I was very much a fan of this and mm-hmm. I, I thought it was awesome Again, this crowd was way better, so that helped too. Um, but I loved it from beginning to end. I thought it was great. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was. I thought it was a a really good match. Um, you know, just being the the NXT fanboy, you know, I just I know that Andrade and Aleister Black have have had better matches than that. So just comparing against that, you know, it was it was very very good compared to most of what you see on the main roster show week to week. It was better than what you see on NXT week to week. Yeah. Um, it was a very, very good match. I, d- I didn't love Andrade taking the pin. Um, I really, or at least not in that fashion, I would have preferred, you know, maybe Zelina Vega gets involved and, and you know, distracts Aleister Black and Andrade takes advantage and hits his hammerlock and gets a win. You know, I really, I like you were saying, he was really starting to recover with his feud with Mysterio. When yeah. he had come up to the show originally, he was just taking losses week after week. Yeah, for sure. He was sure. putting on great matches and he was taking losses week after week. Then he had finally started to build some momentum and now they just have him take a clean pin, no problem, even with his manager at ringside. So it didn't like, make Andrade look great to me. I didn't like derailing the momentum, but at the same time, you know, it's Aleister Aleister Black, yeah. <laughs> nothing to be ashamed of, losing Aleister Black. Yeah. And um, clearly they're, again, spoiler, hmm. the NXT guys get all the wins. Mm-hmm. So if there's an NXT guy of the the four that are being introduced this week in a match, they won. Yeah. So I think fans are a little bit more forgiving in that with that mindset in mm-hmm. place. That, okay, they're giving him the pin because he's got to be pushed now. Yeah. I get it. And yeah. I know none of the smarks <laughs> like me are going to be complaining about NXT stars getting pushes. So, yeah. But really, I personally, I this is I was creaming myself. I, mean, I, was, <laughs> I was like, this is fucking amazing. I had childish glee. Hmm. I was so giddy. I had the goosebumps going. I loved everything about it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, next up, we had the bar uh, come out after a little bit of uh, wordplay there. Uh, go up against uh, Champa and Gargano after a little promo. Um, they had a little promo where <laughs> they had the kind of baby faces of uh, I think that was a three-way six-way match you know the tag team match towards the end they had uh mm. <laughs> they had New Day extending the pancake branch <laughs> uh to AJ Styles and um who else was on there uh Jeff Hardy yes uh, to, yes uh, to take the pancake branch and apology <laughs> so they can work together on the the main event that night uh, so that was kind of fun. Uh, just, just kind yeah, of, a, and then just Xavier Woods just casually holding Big E in his arms like yeah. a giant baby. Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was great. It was yeah. great. New Day's been around a while, but they're still coming up with stuff every week. Yeah, <laughs> gotta love New Day. It was so that was a fun little promo. And then the Bar and Champa and Gargano oh. go up against each other. Inject this match directly into my veins. Yeah, it was great. It was, oh my, goodness. it was an awesome match. Oh my goodness. I am normally not a big Champa guy. Like mm. I like his gimmick that he just desires the belt and he just wants to hoard the belt. goldie he's 
for our comic book fans out there, he's he's basically like Larflees. Now, Larflees is the orange lantern, uh, a greed lantern. Hmm. He's the only lantern that carries the orange ring because he won't allow anybody to <laughs> to have the orange <laughs> ring. And he's just obsessed with ha- making everything his, and everything's mine, mm-hmm. mine, and that's all he says, mine. Got a little Smeagol in him, too, for yeah. the Lord of the Rings fans. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> That is who Champa is to me, mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy that kind of dynamic. But in the ring, as great as he is, for some reason, not, something just hasn't clicked for me mm. personally. Mm. And th- this match, I was like, okay, this is pretty good. I can follow this guy, and we'll, we'll see how it goes going forward. I like the kind of tag team dynamic they got with Gargano, you know, coming to the main roster and whatnot. But um, honestly, I think I'd rather see Gargano by himself mm. because I do, I do like Gargano quite a bit as mm. much crap as I give him for being <laughs> so Cleveland. He's so Cleveland. Cleveland hater over here. Yeah. Yet he loves the Miz. I'm a Cincy guy. So, you know, <laughs> but uh, it's, it was just, I don't know. I just feel like the, both characters could shine a little bit more mm. separate. Uh, but you may disagree. You've been watching them a lot longer than I yeah, have. Yeah. So. I, I think, you know, I think, I think, it's, I'm conflicted about them being together. On the one hand, I love them being together because they became famous as a tag team. DIY is one of the most popular tag teams in the history of NXT. It's one of the best tag teams in the history of NXT. They work really well together. They've got a lot of chemistry. But at the same time, they've spent the past year feuding with each other because Ciampa turned on Gargano. Mm-hmm. And they've had one of the best rivalries going in the company for the past year. And now, all of a sudden, they're just buddies again. And they're teaming up with no explanation whatsoever. They did not say that there was a reason for them to be friendly, uh, let alone tagging together and getting along. I don't know the the, the lack of continuity between their NXT storylines and what they're doing on the main roster right now doesn't really add up to me. And I don't like the fact that they just slapped them together with no explanation. Um, but yeah. I really like them as a tag team. Um, I, I do love Johnny wrestling and I think that he has the potential to be one of the top guys <laughs> in the company. Uh, you know, he's, he's phenomenal in the ring. He's very good on the mic. Um, he's really lacking in nothing. He's got a catchy nickname. He's got a catchy theme song. He's got a variety of theme songs to work with, actually, that he's developed over the years. Um, So he's got it all. Uh, I like seeing DIY wrestle together because it is such a fun spectacle, but for storyline purposes, I don't really get it. And I wish they would explain something. Um, But this match was the best match of the week on either show for me. Um, Wow. High praise. Oh, my goodness. I I, I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted them to keep going forever. Uh, I (laughs) I love the bar as a tag team. I have loved the bar for a while you remember when we went to starcade i was pretty much the only one cheering for the bar <laughs> yeah. yeah that's true <laughs> i love the bar uh i think that i think that cesaro specifically is one of the most underrated wrestlers in the company he's so so good he can do so many things yeah very good. such a high level mm-hmm. um super strong too the, yeah god damn powerful he's powerful he, guy he's probably stronger than you know um Seamus. Yeah. Like he's, yeah. He's even though Seamus is the big guy. Yeah. Like Cesaro is one of those. Cesaro is fucking strong. Cesaro shows what the difference is between being muscular and being strong because yeah. he is just strong. Um, I, I mean, I could have watched these two teams go at it forever. Like I said, I just, I love this match. This match was, it, it stole both shows for me. Um, I, so I like seeing DIY together, but for storyline purposes, I don't get it. So I'm interested to see if they're going to either explain why they're getting along now or <laughs> if they're yeah. going to break them back apart. I, I don't know. They're, we'll they're, see. They, yeah. they, seem, it, they seem to be kind of warming to each other. I mean, you know, we're going to get into the NXT results. They seem to kind of be warming to each other on NXT lately, or at least Ciampa is trying to kind of reestablish some kind of relationship with Gargano, and Gargano is kind of stiff-arming him, but not in a really hostile way. So I guess there's a tepid alliance going on, but 
Yeah, I didn't like how suddenly they were just slapped together this week after a year of having the best rivalry in the company. <laughs> yeah, it was a little strange. We'll we'll see. I I thought the match was great. Don't get me wrong, but just because of that dynamic that you were talking about, where it's mm. just that doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah, that pulled me out just enough for it just not to be that over the top for me. Yeah, it's just and like I, Rusev I, and Nakamura. Yeah. Like they they just exactly. all of a sudden they're just Perfect. buddies and they're tagging together yeah. like with no explanation. Just yep. a week ago you were attacking him in the back and hurting his wife and blaming him, and now all of a sudden you're tagging and you're fine. Like, yeah, that's I, a perfect analogy. That's it. exactly the feeling I got yeah. watching them wrestle together and again i haven't been watching them as long as you have you saw them in their full diy days Mm -hmm. so you know what it was like Mm. i didn't really see that as much Mm -hmm. so i've seen little clips of it that's about it Mm -hmm. i don't have any emotional investment in it and when it was on the stage i was just like this i don't know if this works very well Mm. um maybe it was just because they needed to condense time you know having four guys take us you know a a a pin for the new you know introduction uh excuse me Having four guys that need to have somebody take a pin for them to push them as the new faces of, you know, SmackDown Raw, what have you. Okay, I get it. You've got kind of a time crunch if you got to do it on both Raw and SmackDown Mm. and fit these guys in. So let's make one of them a tag team so we don't have to, you know, have quite as many, you know, predictable pin matches Mm -hmm. um, just to push these guys and we can kind of spread ourselves out a little bit. Mm. Yeah, but it's definitely made them warm themselves to each other way too quick. And just one further complaint I had about Raw, by the way, (laughs) which I forgot to mention. Michael Cole, please watch some NXT once in a while, for goodness sakes. He did not know the names of he did not know the names of their moves. Yeah. Johnny Gargano, yeah. Johnny Gargano hit two slingshot DDTs, hit a slingshot spear, and attempted another slingshot spear against the revival. Michael Cole did not use the word slingshot one time with four opportunities to do so with yeah. Johnny Gargano's signature moves. Yeah. Please a, watch some NXT, not Michael. Not a good Cole. sign. <laughs> now you know who you should put on that show. <clears throat> McAfee. I can think of somebody. McAfee. Put McAfee <laughs> on the show. Make him the new Woo. main roster announcer <laughs> with fucking Corey. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the problem is you already got Corey. They're but both, they're can, both color have, guys. You can have the negative color guy and the positive uh, yes, co- color true. guy. McAfee, Pat McAfee is the positive but what are, color what guy. What are we going to do without shut up, Byron? <laughs> <laughs> you would miss that. <laughs> that is that is pretty entertaining. Uh, but yeah, I love I love Pat McAfee. I I hope they push him to the main show. I fucking love Pat McAfee. More reason to start watching NXT guys. for the brand. If you like Pat McAfee, again NXT. That's for where the, he's at for the brand, Cuzzo. <laughs> All right. Uh, next up, we had an Oscar sighting. <gasps> Get Yay. hyped. Get hyped. At first, yeah, I was. I <laughs> I thought it was good. Um, basically, she has this match against Mandy Rose. Uh, it's not for a title shot or anything. It's just a match. So I was glad that at least we got to see Asuka on the main mm. show because let's face it, we haven't fucking seen her in forever. And if you watched our last episode, it was our topic of the show because mm. we hadn't fucking seen her. Um, <laughs> I'm a big Oscar fan. She's my favorite of the female wrestlers. Um, and I thought it was a pretty solid match, including from Mandy Rose. I thought she actually put on a pretty good match with Oscar there. I thought this was probably the best mic work Oscar has had. <laughs> now, let, let's <laughs> face Asuka it. on the mic. Asuka is a little limited because she's very Japanese. <laughs> and she, throughout the match, shouts Japanese gibberish mm. at her opponent uh because she doesn't speak english that well it's not gibberish it's japanese but <laughs> but you don't know <laughs> it probably is gibberish. i cannot verify uh, but 
uh, she actually had some nice, like, interesting mockery mm. uh, on the mic and was mm-hmm. just calling out for anybody, come fight me mm. right now. <laughs> and it was it was fun. It was cool. No was one like, is ready. And even even though she, I think she's probably aware that she has a, a flawed uh, English accent and a mm. limited vocabulary, she sells into it so hard that mm. you can't help but, like, enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And you can't help mm-hmm. but buy into it and kind of play along. Whereas if she was just trying to use a normal voice with that heavy accent, you'd probably be like, oh, this is stupid. This sucks. Mm -hmm. But she sells into it so hard. (laughs) She's just shouting at the top of her lungs, you know, just, ah, come on. You know, it's just, it's great. Mm -hmm. I, I, I loved it. Uh, Corey Graves is undefeated. That was, that was my biggest <laughs> note from this match. Corey Graves, his little love fest with uh, Mandy Rose. God's just, greatest creation. It's, it's fucking amazing. According to Corey. It, it cracks me up every time. <laughs> I love it. Um, and then we had another what the fuck appearance from Lacey Evans. They did this at the pay-per-view. We, well, hey, we I want to talk about Asuka for a minute here before we move on. This was this was in the match. No, this was after. That was when she came out with heavy machinery and they had the catwalk off. Not on this show, I don't think. She just literally walked out in good. the middle of the match. Hmm. Lacey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. She did. Okay. Her music okay. just came on good. randomly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And Lacey Evans walks out in her little outfit, waves to the crowd, yeah. and then immediately turns around. Yeah, like, once again, with Oscar just staring at her, like, "What? Yeah, what, once again, why are you here?" Mandy Rose just looking at her, like, "What? Yeah. Why are you here?" And she just turns around and walks off. That's her and thing like, now. It's not funny. It's not a thing. It's not funny. It's not interesting. It's not contributing everything. Like, yeah. I, What is the point? Why? Just, no, it's a waste of fucking time. If you're going to have a fucking commercial break, do it during that stupid shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I don't like it. I hate Lacey Evans. I, I, have, <laughs> I have no idea what Lacey Evans just does. Just the non-entrances have made him hate Lacey Evans already. It really has, <laughs> genuinely. Genuinely, it has made me hate this character. I don't care what she does from here on out. I don't care how good of a wrestler she is. I don't want to see her anymore. Not very good. I don't want to see her. Mm. Period. Yeah. Especially not on the main shows. I'm not a Lacey Evans Get guy. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. making her even worse. It's like, and it just, it pisses me off because once again, they don't know what to do with Asuka hmm. and they're interrupting her few appearances on live TV with fucking Lacey Evans. Yeah. Go fuck yourselves. <laughs> um, so that was my biggest negative point is Lacey Evans' appearance. And then um, they gave Mandy Rose a pin, which I was not about. Um but again, it wasn't a title defense, so it doesn't matter anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, it might get into Asuka's head going forward for a potential storyline. So maybe we have something to do with Asuka now. Yeah. We'll see. I guess. I, I, I hated the finish. I, I It was a really bullshit. After what we already had with Asuka with Carmella over the summer, where James Ellsworth and Shark Cages got involved in making sure that Carmella beat Asuka twice for the SmackDown women's title, and now you have Mandy yeah. Rose... Ag- Asuka is becoming the wily coyote of the women's division, and it's ridiculous. I mean, she just gets fooled by the most juvenile, nonsensical, telegraphed, easy to see, yeah. heelish cheat 
maneuvers. It was a really she stupid looks pin. ridiculous. Oscar looks ridiculous right now. She yep. wasn't on TV for a month, and then once again she got the Wiley Coyote treatment, which she already got from plenty of other blondes already in the past year. Yep. And now they're doing it to her again. So thanks, Vince. I, I just <laughs> I don't get what they're doing with Oscar. And again, we talked yeah. about this last week. They keep putting belts on people without a plan, and it's very obvious that they did it with Oscar here. She, yep. They didn't have a plan for her for a month, and then she comes back and she gets fooled. And gets roll yeah. up in by it Mandy was, freaking Rose. It was not. It was not uh, great. It was not a great end. That was the, the very but worst part of the show for me. Was this whole thing? If you take out the pin, which was really horrendous, hmm. I, I will admit that was a very strong weak point. And it was an asinine setup too. And, and the Lacey Evans interruption. If you take those two out, it was a pretty solid match. Hmm. And I actually enjoyed Oscar's mic work leading into the match. Yeah, but. I think I mean unfor- Oscar can pull a three star match out of a used napkin. So. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think the unfortunate end result is that you only remember the negative feeling from the shitty ending mm. and the interruption towards the end of the match. Like, mm. unfortunately, that's that's what you're left with. It's not like you know when you go to see a movie. More often than not, it's the ending that's going to dictate how much you love that movie. Yeah, you know. Have you seen the village? Okay. <laughs> yep. So, <laughs> you know, the the whole first and second half could be great, but if mm. the ending is just complete garbage, you're yeah. going to leave with those negative feelings, they not with the positive yeah. feelings you initially entered. Really with. sour so. taste in my mouth. Hate how they're treating Asuka. Was so excited to see her, and then they give her some stuff like that that I did not appreciate. Yep. So that left a really sour taste in my mouth in what was otherwise a really really good show. Yep. Next up, uh, we had Ricochet's appearance on SmackDown, where he went up against uh, Sanity's uh, Eric Young for reasons. <laughs> I, don't, was, I, I forgot he existed. Yep. Uh, Ricochet was awesome. Uh, Eric Young was fine. He was fine. He was fine. Fine. Uh, it was a match. It happened. It was it was entertaining because Ricochet was doing all of his usual flips, and mm-hmm. he actually looked like he was on time for everything, uh, mm-hmm. which he didn't feel or look that way quite as much on Raw. Um, it was a solid match. It was fun. Ricochet wins, of course, and uh, that was it. It was fine. It existed. Yep, aggressively. And then, of course, uh, we got plenty of Kofi love uh, as he was brought into the ring. For Kofi the, Mania is running the, wild, uh, brother. The the tag team matchup. Uh, we had the three man tag team matchup uh, between basically the the baby faces and the heels from the main event there. So you had uh, kind of an interesting dynamic where uh, Randy Orton, uh, Samoa Joe, and uh, Daniel Bryan were kind of like, obviously, clearly not allied as much as they needed to be, mm-hmm. uh, and were very much at odds uh, throughout the, the introduction and through the match. Uh, and then you had the pancake branch extended uh, friendship between uh, Jeff Hardy, <laughs> AJ Styles, and uh, Kofi Kingston there. Um Notes, uh, Daniel Bryan remains uh, just fucking phenomenal on the mic. <laughs> his his dialogues, his rants are just so top-tier A-lister. Like, mm-hmm. just so fucking pure mm-hmm. and great. Mm-hmm. I love everything about the new Daniel Bryan. Again, famously, between me and Dan, I was not about the new Daniel Bryan angle. I was like, ah, this is dumb. Mm-hmm. Like, he's clearly a babyface. He's been a babyface for forever. I don't want to see him as a, play a villain. You know, he's the yes guy. He's the positive <laughs> guy that can overcome anything. That's who he is. I was completely wrong. 
completely, mm-hmm. my instincts were completely off on this one. Mm-hmm. Dan was completely right. Yeah. It's been nothing but greatness ever was, since. I knew it was special the second I saw it. It's, <laughs> it only, was... it's only gotten better and better and better. It started as just this raving madman that hated AJ Styles, and it's progressed into this movement mm-hmm. for the planet, mm-hmm. and he's thrown away the traditional WWE championship belt and replaced it with a completely renewable sourced mm. <laughs> belt. Not to mention that glorious recycling sign Titan Tron. Oh my god, it's so good. Such a nice touch. And now he started kind of a cult with Rowan and it's just everything about it is awesome. Yeah. And I fucking Fantastic. love it. Fantastic Daniel Bryan work. Once again, making a great mic appearance. Fantastic work. Just having an awesome time. Uh, It must be fun for him. It has to be fun. He's having a great time. He He must be having the time of his life. I mean, you can feel it. And then uh, I just wanted to say at the end there, every time a trombone plays, a Kofi gets his pin. (laughs) (laughs) It is the harbinger. That was my uh, biggest note there. And um, this is the second time Kofi has pinned Daniel Bryan in two weeks. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's pretty interesting, Mm -hmm. especially if you're thinking about making a push for Kofi to get the belt Mm -hmm. and take it away from Daniel Bryan. Let's face it, Kofi's been the only one to pin him Yeah, these past two weeks. He sure has. Nobody so else has uh, him. maybe a little foreshadowing there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Daniel Bryan doesn't appreciate that. He's mm-hmm. he's beaten pretty much everybody else, but for some reason, Kofi's just got his number. Yeah, yeah, and Kofi will be getting the title shot at Fastlane, as they announced at the very end after Kofi scored yet another pin. So yep. he's going to get his opportunity. It'll be interesting. That that should be a really fun match. Those two obviously have tons of chemistry. Their performances against each other, especially in the Elimination Chamber being the last two, was just unbelievable, eye-popping stuff. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic with Big E and Xavier Woods at ringside with Rowan on the other side, you yeah. know, who knows what's going to happen there. Uh, apparently on SmackDown next week, there will be a contract signing between those two. So Ooh, that should get very interesting. Very nice. Uh, so yeah, this, uh, this match was, you know, this match was good. Um, you know, the six man tag dynamic is not my favorite thing, but it was fine. Yep. It was a good match. Uh, Kofi mania running wild once again, this time in new Orleans. Yep. Um, so it was a good match and for the show overall, uh, I I gave it an 8.0. I thought everything was really, really good. I just hated the Asuka segment so much. So I I hated it. I hated it so aggressively. It took two full points off my score. So it it went down two letter grades because of that treatment of her. I don't blame you at all. I'm totally in your camp as far as that being a terrible ending for that match. If it was a one-time thing, that's one thing. But we saw this with Carmella twice already at two separate pay-per-views. And now Mandy Rose is doing it. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) I just can't take Asuka looking so stupid anymore. However, all that being said, I'm going to go out on a strong limb here. I'm going to give this a 10. A 10? A 10. A perfect 10? I I was entertained from beginning to end. I had fun the entire show. He's just got Ty Dillinger on his mind. That's why he's going with the perfect 10. Uh, Ty Ty Dillinger, (laughs) yeah, I'm sure. No, I I didn't see uh, a single match that I didn't enjoy, Mm. at least at some point. Asuka's like, I enjoyed the match itself, the actual match leading up to that final ending that was terrible Mm -hmm. like everything about that match i liked until that final pin Mm -hmm. where the little you know jokerish trick oh look over here Mm -hmm. yeah gotcha (laughs) gotcha dummy like wily coyote but of course Corey graves is making that match even better the crowd was really solid all through the the show Mm -hmm. i again alistair black just gives me those like giddy kid feelings again where i'm just getting excited to watch wrestling again like i want to turn on wrestling now because i want to watch alistair black do his thing Mm -hmm. um on the main shows against the main roster 
I was super hyped. I love seeing Andrade on the show. Uh, I love seeing McMiz at the beginning. I love the great mic work from the Usos to start the show. We had an, a really cool star-studded uh, match to end the show with the, the three-way tag team match there. It was just great. Like I, I really love it. And we're really finally kind of pushing Kofi uh, to the next level and kind of capitalizing again, like we were talking about during the pay-per-view. And they're actually continuing with the storyline and really showing that hey he's a threat Mm -hmm. by pinning daniel bryan a second time in two weeks yeah love what they're doing with him it's uh, ricochet had a great showing you know performance wise in the ring there uh champa and gargano against the bar was a great match outstanding match Mm -hmm. um don't know again don't know about the tag team dynamic but it was a really good match so good i need more i need more they're really looking at my notes there really isn't a weak point of the show um, that was so significant for me hmm. that I could dock at a point. Hmm. It's what I would want from your everyday weekly show. Hmm. Like as far as weekly shows, not pay per views, but weekly shows go, it doesn't get much better than this for me. So hmm. I give it a ten. Well done, SmackDown. Killed yeah. it again. Which is, I, I mean, if we took our averages for all the shows, like clearly, you know, SmackDown's at the top yeah. there. SmackDown's yeah. been phenomenal. Yeah. Although NXT is right up there, which is yep. my segue into yep. our NXT results. Um, so NXT, really good this week, as usual. It mm-hmm. opened with your boy, Alistair Black. Oh, yeah. Defeating uh, Roderick Strong of Undisputed Era. This yep. was a really physical match. These guys are both hard strikers. Uh, if you like hard strikes, yep. you need to go watch this match. And there um, were some nasty chest chops in this match. Like, fucking yes, nasty from yeah. Strong. Yeah, Strong. Oh, my God. Yeah, his name is Strong for good reason. He is a Strong-style type wrestler. It's, he hits hard. It's a good thing that Alistair Black has a lot of tattoos mm-hmm. because I think he would be like Dan O'Brien and that his welts and everything would just show yes. everywhere. <laughs> and you could still see some of them where he doesn't yeah. have tattoos. Especially and they, as a Dutchman. They look <laughs> fucking nasty. Yeah. Nasty. Yeah. So, yeah. Roderick Strong was really selling those chest chops. And then, mm-hmm. of course, Alistair Black had some nasty kicks, too. Yeah, those too. kicks. Yeah, so. th- those two were just beating the hell out of each other. And, and that is a really, that's a really fun matchup between those two. This is a pretty good, solid match. Yeah. Really good opening match for NXT. And that's after a week of two really back-to-back, mm-hmm. like, over-the-top nasty matches mm-hmm. that he had just done. So, mm-hmm. like, shout-out to Alistair Black. He put on a show all week long. Yes, like, yes. It was fucking great. Very strong week for him. I am... You know, I've, I've been saying it more and more. I am starting to get a little concerned about Undisputed Era. They've been racking up the losses lately. So, you know, hopefully at some point in the near future, if they can start getting some wins and get some of their luster back. Well, let's face it. Four guys are no longer a problem for the most part. So yeah. there's some space to be filled. Uh, and then we had a little bit of uh, the rest of the Undisputed Era come out to try to attack him, try to get some, uh, you know, revenge, I guess. And then Ricochet comes out to save him and help him in the end. And that makes a nice little friendly dynamic between uh, Alistair Black and Ricochet, which were mm. my favorite NXT guys, <laughs> who are now main roster guys. Perhaps. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Right now they're dual brand, which I'm totally cool with. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, not dual brand. What's the three version of dual? Whatever know. that is, they yeah. are triple brand superstars. Trois, I don't know, <laughs> something like that. Um, and then next up, uh, I don't know if you saw any other matches other than this, but it looked like it was just Mia Yim versus uh, Zia Lee mm, yeah. for the middle of the, the show. Although right before that, the big announcement that was sold on WWE.com all week, the Dusty Rhodes Classic is coming back this year. Um, so that's the tag team tournament. 
um, the winner gets the number one contendership against War Raiders. Uh, so I believe the declared teams, the the name teams so far are Street Profits, Undisputed Era, European Union, and Forgotten Sons. Um, so keep an eye out for that in the next couple of weeks. For they sure. Be, I think they're starting their first round next week. Yep. So uh, MyLM versus Xylee, what'd you think? Uh, it was all right. Um, you know, uh, Xylee is very, very green and very new. She obviously has that martial arts background that shows very strongly. She's somebody that seems to take this very seriously. Um, this felt a, a little bit like just getting one of the newbies some an opportunity to go out there and work for a few minutes with someone who's a veteran and Mia Yim. Uh, I really like Mia Yim. I like her style. Her She's a Taekwondo black belt, mm-hmm. and it really shows in she how she wrestles. She had a cool wrestles. entrance, yeah. Um, right. I, like, yeah. I like Mia Yim. Uh, I like Xia Lee. I think that she has a lot of potential. Uh, first Chinese wrestler ever, um, as far as being from China. Um, so I, I like the potential with Xia Lee. This match was just okay for me, but when you're talking, but when you you know, grade with a grade on a curve because of the fact that she is so new. It was a really good showing. So interested to see where Xia goes and good to see Mia Yim on TV for a second straight week. Yeah. For me, it was the, the weakest point of the show, which, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't saying a lot because the opening and ending were pr- both pretty solid, pretty mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just kind of, it was slow. Like there was some nice stuff at the end there, but mm-hmm. I think the, the first two thirds of the match were just a slog mm-hmm. for me yeah. i just i was bored out of my mind for a while there yeah you could tell Zaylee is new and is still learning how to be a little more fluid in the ring and how to do those transitions and things so you could tell this was kind of a, a learning moment for her yep um, but for how new she is you know it was serviceable and then please correct me if i missed anything we had the final event which is velveteen dream versus johnny gargano mm-hmm. for the north american belt mm-hmm. yeah right well although right after the mia yim and Zaylee match three of the four horsewomen once again came out jessamine the Duke, Marina Shafir yep. and Shayna Baszler uh, cleared the ring. Uh, Baszler put a beat down on Mia Yim specifically. So next week it will be Mia Yim versus Shayna Baszler. That should be a pretty entertaining match to watch if you like watching really tough chicks beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, Velatine Dream versus Johnny Gargano for the North American belt. Um, we had a lot of taunting initially from Velveteen Dream, which mm-hmm. is great to watch. Mm-hmm um the match seemed to feature a ton of technical stuff very oh, yeah. it was a very technical heavy johnny wrestling grappling johnny match, wrestling baby as you would expect <laughs> it was a lot of fun to watch you know i i love velveteen dream i think he has the best name in all of wrestling um his character is just something that another one of those kind of like sultry classic you know uh, almost like shaft like mm. characters, mm. like somewhere between Prince and Shaft. Mm. Mm. <laughs> like, it's got some gorgeous George in there. Yeah. Ravishing Rick Rude. He's, oh, yeah. Uh, Absolutely. He's a student of the game and it really shows. Yeah. And that's <laughs> something that the, the mainstream WWE doesn't seem to have right now. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of like the late career Ric Flair, something like that. Maybe uh, Gold Dust a little bit. You know, yeah. something. Where is some, all the vanity? Somewhere in there. You know, <laughs> we just don't seem to have that anymore. And I think uh, Velveteen Dream might be the next addition to that kind of pantheon Mm -hmm. (laughs) of over-the-top vain characters. Yeah, he's not lacking in anything. He's got a ton of talent. His character work is next level. Um, You know, he's a guy that really studies and loves wrestling, and and he's aware of all the things that people used to do back in the 70s and 80s and the NWA and everything else. So 
Um, yeah, he's the complete package. He's only 23, so yeah. he's got uh, he's got a lot of growth left ahead of him, and yet he's already in a really good place, and it seems like the the rocket has been strapped to him a little bit already. He won the World's Collide Tournament. He's been uh, on a hot streak lately, and uh, this was just another feather in his cap for 2019. Yeah, it was excellent. And uh, the end result of the match, after a few very, very late kickouts, I noticed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, yeah. man, that ref was holding his hand that extra <laughs> second there. Um, very, very last-minute kickouts that were, of course, exciting. Johnny Gargano has gone down. Mm. He has been defeated by the Velveteen Dream. May he rest in peace. Ooh. I, on I, the main roster, <laughs> I did think it was. I did think it was a great match. I really enjoyed the fact that they started with all the technical stuff because that's really where Johnny Wrestling has the advantage over Dream, the young rookie. You got this veteran guy who's really technically proficient, and he was really showing that off and dominating the match for a while there. Yeah, um, and I really like that and the mind games that were going on um, before Dream was able to turn it around, starting with uh, starting with the bitch slap from Hell that uh, <laughs> reverberated throughout the uh, throughout Full Sail University. I gotta say that. <laughs> <laughs> through, through this whole episode of NXT, there was some fucking savage slaps going oh, yeah. on. Yeah, they strike like hard the chest in NXT. chops and the, the slaps and the yeah. just, oh, like, fuck. Yeah, if you like hard strikes, NXT is going to be your style. There's a lot of high spots and a lot of hard strikes. That's really their style of wrestling. Um, but, yeah, this match was just awesome. The story that they told was awesome. You know, Johnny Wrestling was clearly the ring general involved, and Velveteen Dream just was put in a position to allow his personality to shine through and show off some of his athleticism and the talent that he has. You know, he's still got more growth to do in the ring. His character work is already elite. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> um, so it was great to see him get his first championship. I am a little bummed out that Johnny Wrestling didn't get a single successful title defense. I'm a little bummed <laughs> out that we just got the Johnny Champion nickname like two weeks ago and now he's not champion anymore so i'm hoping maybe this is a sign that he's on his way to the main roster on a more full-time basis which would be super awesome but uh it's i'm a little bummed that he lost his first title defense well again as a guy who doesn't watch nxt every single week just because of time um i thought it was probably the best way forward i think one by one we're going to see these titles leave the new four guys you know really only champa and johnny gargano have titles right now Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. um but now that johnny gargano has lost his to basically the top tier of the nxt now which is uh velveteen dream Mm. i think champa is going to be next in line to lose his title to somebody significant Mm. you know that isn't part of those four guys that have traditionally been fighting for the championships at least in recent times you know with Mm -hmm. uh Adam Cole and, you know, a few others. Yeah, Andrade came up uh, last year, so he was one of the guys that was always in that championship picture. I'd be interested to see who they put in the championship picture if they are to bring all those four guys up to the main roster. Yeah, I think it's unlikely that they're going to bring all four of them up too close together. I think that right now they're kind of showcasing all of them, uh, maybe trying to give a shot in the arm to the main main shows with some of the rating struggles that they've had i I think they would really be they would really be putting nxt in a bad position if they took all four of them at once um so maybe they'll just kind of come up in waves while they're building up other people behind them um you know johnny wrestling seems to me like i was saying earlier i think he's he's the kind of guy that you make your franchise player so i think that he's a guy that can come up at any time maybe they're taking the title off of him so they can move him up and then they can slowly start to move the other people too yeah i'm not sure who i would put as a credible challenger to champa at the moment is the problem um if you get rid of all of those guys and now you have dream is going to be the north american champion presumably through the wrestlemania season 
Um, you know, we're going to have to see what kind of challenger emerges for Ciampa. I'm not sure if that if his business with Johnny Gargano is done, because at the end of this match, you saw Ciampa was watching on the screen, um, paying yeah. very close attention and obviously being a very interested party. So we're not sure if their business is done with either. So I'm not yeah. really sure where they're going with Ciampa or with that championship. But, you know, they've got takeover um, coming up. That in WrestleMania weekend, so they got to find a, an opponent for Ciampa by then, and maybe that'll be the guy that takes the title off him. I, I have no reason for believing this beyond my own personal speculation, but I I think what's going to eventually happen is they're just going to slowly work in a way for Ciampa to lose his title to somebody who's maybe an up and coming or an NXT or somebody who's a you know a really hard hitter. Um, and slowly but surely, we'll start to see each of the four kind of dedicate themselves more and more to one of the two shows, mm-hmm. whether it be SmackDown or Raw, mm-hmm. and uh, just wherever they're getting the bigger pool. And then once we hit, you know, WrestleMania and the Superstar Shakeup, I think that's that's when we're going to have official mm-hmm. new branding for these mm-hmm. people. I think, mm-hmm. and I don't think they'll be touching NXT much anymore beyond the you know casual. You know, once in a you know while visit, like you mm-hmm. know Finn Balor still does from time to time with the UK show mm-hmm. uh, and a few others. So, um, I, hopefully, Boston Hug will be dropping in real soon. Perhaps, please, perhaps. please make it happen. But uh, yeah, I think I think the, the as you said, the big problem with this is it just leaves a big void in the mm-hmm. NXT mm-hmm. world mm-hmm. that you took the the very cream of the crop. And mm-hmm. just tossed them into the main roster, yeah, as they deserve to be. Um, but now you have this big hole to fill. That you, you know, Velveteen Dream is up there for sure. You know, Adam Cole. Um, yeah, War Raiders, I guess. How, who else can yeah. really fill those spots for the men, the men in the NXT world? You know. Yeah, I mean, if you take away Ricochet and Aleister Black, you just don't really have any top level baby faces left at the moment that I would put into the NXT title picture, especially with Dream now committed to the North American Championship. Like I said, probably through WrestleMania season. So, yeah, I think they would be in a really tough position if they took all four of those guys. Um, you know, I'm I'm in favor of doing some of this crossover stuff and showcasing them on the main roster and eventually phasing them in. Um, but I, I just don't think you can take all four of those guys at once. I think you gotta you gotta take it real slow and allow some other folks to get built up over the next couple months while you phase those guys in. Um, you know, there's no one that really comes to mind immediately that I think could be a credible babyface challenger to Chomper right now if it's not Black and it's not uh, and it's not Ricochet. Yeah, I agree that there clearly isn't somebody to point to to, to come and challenge him for the belt, but I think you also can't have this situation where you have these part-timers basically hopping between two or three shows every single week, mm. you know, for the long term. Something's mm-hmm. got to give. Mm-hmm. At some point, they got to flip over. Mm-hmm. They got to commit to the new shows whether they like it or not, you know. And it might be an awkward transition, it might be a, you know, pull off the band-aid real fast type of thing where they just rip it off and say, "Here, Someone else got it now. We'll go forward now. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly, I think the best solution is probably just to tear off the bandaid and get it over with because mm. it's it's clearly going to happen. It has to happen, and it'd be nice to have that extra star power for WrestleMania mm. um, to have these really top tier elite talents inside the ring. Uh, up against the main roster at wrestlemania yeah and i mean this is a conflict that they're always going to run into which is is nxt still developmental or is nxt its own brand because that is the question that they're going to have to keep wrestling with 
Um, it's uh, always been treated as developmental. It's always been, you know, considered this is where we're just bringing talent up and developing them so we can move them to the main roster. That's what it exists for. Yeah. But the fact that it has become such a consistently good product, the fact that there is such a large segment of the audience that believes that its creative direction is better than the main roster, that thinks its in-ring product is better than the main roster, which I would agree with wholeheartedly, um, it has kind of made a name for itself as an independent brand. So if it's that, then it's not going to be so easy to clean the cupboard out in this way so you know we'll see how they handle it and that that could be a great topic for a future discussion i mean mm-hmm. they got a few th- big things working for them a their fans are the most dedicated of the most mm-hmm. dedicated they know the most yeah. you know they are not quite the filthy casual that mm-hmm. i am sometimes uh mm-hmm. they are a hundred percent all in know every single character yes. and every single show very smart crowd um and know every single chant know the history mm-hmm. you know uh know the new japan stuff for the guys that convert over Mm -hmm. like they know every single detail about these wrestlers and these performers Mm -hmm. so that helps quite a bit when the crowd is 100 percent educated and into what you're giving them Mm -hmm. second thing is the show is a lot shorter so really even if you do have a weak point in the show it's not going to last quite as long because you got to get to the main event you Mm -hmm. know you just don't have that time like raw is probably too long mm. I, th- I think you talked about that yeah. on last episode yeah absolutely it's just too long mm-hmm. they don't have the storylines they need to fill that huge time slot mm-hmm. you know and i think nxt doesn't have that problem yeah so they are able to kind of showcase the best of the best more often uh with a, a better rhythm throughout the show they don't have those long stretches of boredom like you occasionally have especially recently with raw mm. um and they're able to cycle talent in and out week to week, too, which is something Raw and SmackDown don't do. I think part of the reason that creative keeps tying themselves into knots is that they feel like they have to put everyone on TV every week on Raw and SmackDown. Whereas NXT, you'll see Kyrie Zane wrestle a match and advance her story one week, and then you won't see her for a couple of weeks. And then the yep. next week, they're going to feature, you know, Shayna Baszler, or they're going to feature Velveteen Dream, and then you won't see him for a week or two. Yeah. And so they're able to continually keep it fresh, get, you know, let everybody come in and have their spot, you know, when it's appropriate for them to do that to advance a story and then they're not tied down where we got to think of something for rusev and shinsuke nakamura to do so we'll just throw them into a tag team (laughs) for no reason so that's part of the problem too maybe if they just accepted that not everyone's going to be on tv every week then they would give themselves more leeway but then it's harder to fill the time so that's true and you gotta wonder if this also contributes to the physical performance in the ring the fact that the main roster guys are doing one if not two main shows every week and then probably an in-house show every other week. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a lot of road trips. There's a lot of wear and tear in the body. That's a lot of constant uh, performance, especially if you're a top-tier character who's always in the main event and is always in these 30- to 40-minute matches at the end of the show. You know, Seth Rollins looking at you. Mm-hmm. you know, yeah. AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan. Like, these guys are every week the main event, s- sacrificing their bodies for 30, 40 minutes plus. Um the NXT guys, they get a little bit of a break, you know, mm-hmm. at, at least between the main televised shows that mm-hmm. go on to the WWE app and what app. Uh, yeah, they have their monthly tapings and then they had they sprinkle in some house shows because but they get time to rest. They get time to think exactly. creatively about what they want to do in their big matches. Whereas, you know, the main roster, the, the mainstays yep. are wrestling 300 days a year. And I think <laughs> that's a big reason why we see so much more flashy stuff in NXT. I think it's just because their bodies are far more well rested mm-hmm. and recovered than say the main roster guys who are always battling through injuries to put on a good show. Mm. And I think a lot of the guys, especially as they get older, 
just slow down more and more and more, not only because of age, but because they've been doing this constantly without Mm -hmm. any significant break for extended periods of time to maintain that superstar status, to maintain their kind of uh, form in the public eye. You know, unless you're the top tier, you know, legendary wrestlers like The Rock or Stone Cold or, you know, Hulk Hogan, uh, Ric Flair, blah, blah, blah you're probably going to be forgotten about if you leave the show for any extended period of time. Mm -hmm. And then when you come back, you're going to have to regain all of that goodwill and popularity that you once had uh, when you were on your main role Mm -hmm. uh, on the the main show of WWE. And I think uh, maybe having slightly more breaks for each of these people so that the other stars can get their time to shine and so that they can recover is probably a good idea going forward. You know, instead of having these people... Uh, on the show every single week maybe have some kind of rotation where they're you know on one week off the next week on two weeks off the next two weeks and then repeat rinse and repeat and then it just fluctuates based on what the storylines are and where the characters are so that these these performers can have well-rested bodies that are uh, less likely to be injured Mm. and that are more likely to be able to give you their all on the televised show. Mm -hmm. So, and you can have longer matches. I mean, some of the, most of the NXT matches of the year, you're talking about 40, 50 minute matches and those just don't happen on the main roster. And that's because they can't when you're wrestling 300 times a year. That's true. Yep. So end result, uh, since I actually watched the show this week, I got a nice rating for you. All right. (laughs) I gave it a seven. I thought, I thought it was really good, especially at the beginning and really good at the end. Mm -hmm. I think the bo- the middle was what hurt it a little bit. I mm-hmm. think it was just a little bit of a slog, a little bit slow. It wasn't terrible, just mm-hmm. wasn't as entertaining as it yeah, probably should have been kind of or could have been. Match, yeah. And it was just kind of there to fill some time. Mm-hmm. So I, I knocked it down a few points, but I give it a 7 overall. Really good showing, really solid, really enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, I gave it an 8.0. Um, I was really happy with the opening match between Strong and Black. Um, just those, those styles with the hard strikes really made for a physical grueling painful to watch contest which is awesome (laughs) which is something you don't see very often anymore especially in the kind of pg yeah wwe that it now is as opposed to like when we were kids Mm. and you know younger teenagers watching the kind of attitude era bleeding into the new era Mm. um it's where you had the constant head strikes and the razors cutting the blood and so like they made it as physically grueling looking as possible Mm -hmm. because that was kind of the mantra of the era whereas now you don't see that as much with the whole pg thing they're not hitting you in the head which is probably a good thing yeah that part's good <laughs> um they're not cutting themselves constantly which mm-hmm. is probably a good thing mm-hmm. um but it's it lacks that kind of um i want to say ferocity that kind of uh there's, there's an little, edge that's that missing little yeah that the, little nasty you know, edge that the kendo stick just doesn't do it for me yeah it's true <laughs> and i think when you get those guys that are really good at delivering those savage strikes mm-hmm. like strong and, and black were yeah that was like that gave it that extra edge that it, it needs feels like a fight to be it feels like a fight when exactly you got those two exactly going. yeah and that's right. the kind of that's the kind of thing that's just another kind of, kind of thing that i love about nxt is that it does have that little bit of extra juice to it yeah and yeah i agree the the, the middle match was just kind of filler material i think again it was just getting Zioli some experience um i think she's progressing well but she's still filler match material right now uh dream gargano just fantastic i mean i just i can't get enough of johnny wrestling what can i say i got three straight days of johnny wrestling and i want a lot more (laughs) because everything he does is so fluid and so technical and so clean and 
Uh, I'm just a big fan of the guy. And of course, Velveteen Dream is a star in the making. So those two guys brought the house down for me. So 8.0. Yep. Very good. And uh, I did not get around to watching NXT UK, so why don't you run us through it? Sure. So it opened with the Coffee Brothers taking on uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster. Um, pretty solid match. Not as good as I thought it could have been with the caliber of the competitors involved. Uh, it seemed like the Coffee Brothers weren't entirely into it. Um, of course, this was uh, pre-taped during Royal Rumble weekend in Phoenix, so they were in front of a small American crowd with that seemed to have various levels of recognition with the product um i really like mark andrews uh this is probably the second time in three weeks that he's uh he's really impressed me in the ring um he's another one of those just little athletic guys that can just do all kinds of stuff um so that match was okay but it wasn't great and it certainly wasn't as good as i thought it could have been uh then we got to see Trent seven in action for the first time in a few weeks uh going against shane thorne um, again, you just have Trent Seven, the old grizzled veteran, uh, who's got a little bit of paunch going for him, uh, <laughs> taking on the younger Shane Thorne, who is just the worst. That is his gimmick. He is just the worst. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty good match. Um, little old school feel to it. You know, it, there wasn't a lot of flying around, not a lot of high spots. There was a good amount of technical stuff. Uh, it was, you know, it had a carny feel to it. So it was kind of old fashioned. If you like that kind of thing, which I do, which is why I love the revival. <laughs> uh, it was pretty good. So solid match. Uh, after that, the grizzled young veterans came out um, and they were challenged by the Britam Brawlers uh, for their tag team championships. So we should be seeing that sometime soon. That promo was fine. And then the main event, Tony Storm defended the NXT UK Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley um they this is their third match i believe for that title um and i think this one was probably their best which is crazy to say considering that they did have pretty solid matches at uh takeover and blackpool wow. as well as the original one high praise uh so i was i was pretty happy with this match um i think rhea ripley uh, you know i'm really high on rhea ripley i i think she has a huge upside um i think she brings something to the women's division that no one else brings and i think that yeah, I, I, she's developing rapidly. Um, this was the this was the first time I've really seen her have more than just your standard eight to ten minute or twelve minute type match. She went a while here. Uh, she, you know, they were expected to carry the main event of this particular show, and I think they carried it really well. I didn't love the finish. Uh, it was kind of it kind of came out of nowhere, and the Storm Zero. It just doesn't look right, especially when Tony Storm is hitting it on someone bigger like Rhea Ripley. It just it doesn't. It doesn't look believably damaging. It just doesn't look like good offense to me. So for a really good match where Ripley spent most of it beating Tony Storm down just to all of a sudden hit that Storm Zero out of nowhere and it didn't look great and then it's over, that kind of took away from it for me. Um, but I still think it was a really good match. And uh, I'm interested to see what's next for Rhea Ripley because I don't think that there's anything left in the well with Tony Storm. Um, and I'm not sure who else she would be feuding with unless she's going to go after someone, a baby face mid Carter, like, uh, um, like, uh, Brookside or, uh, or candy floss or someone. I mean, I, I don't even know where she would go from here. Yeah. So I kind of, mm. uh, this is an idea I floated, you know, this week was, I was thinking that she could go to NXT and mm. I think that NXT might be a good fit for her. Intriguing. Um, especially because I think it's very likely that Shayna Baszler is going to be leaving NXT and going to the main roster, probably at Superstar Shakeup time. Um, that'll leave a big void for a big, bad, tough, brawler, bully, mean heel uh, to enter that women's division. And I think Rhea Ripley is the girl for the job. 
Uh, she already has a residence in Orlando, which she set up when she first went to the performance center. So it'd be an easy move for her. Nice. Uh, it seems like a perfect. It seems like a match made in heaven to me. Rhea Ripley to NXT US. So I would love to see that move happen. Um, but regardless, wherever Rhea Ripley goes, I will be following closely. Very high on her. So this was a pretty good show. It was carried by the strength of the main event. I gave it a seven point five. Nice. Very nice. So very decent showing from NXT UK, and. Um, it uh, looks like, once again, NXT, very solid all the way through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then SmackDown, for me, blowing it out of the park. SmackDown is my show of the week for this week, for sure. Uh, and that includes the pay-per-view for me, mm-hmm. um, I, which I really enjoyed. Don't get yeah, me wrong. Yeah. I really enjoyed Elimination Chamber. But for me, SmackDown was wonderful. Uh, NXT uh, was really great. Um, Raw, still need some work. Mm-hmm. Still need to improve that show there. Yeah. That's... Had some good moments. Don't, don't get me wrong. They got good talent. Just they need to figure things out a little mm. bit still. Um, so, uh, without further ado, let's get into some news items. Uh, once again, we will not have a topic this week simply because we covered the uh, pay-per-view as the topic at the beginning of the show. So, we do apologize if there's any confusion on that one. Uh, but, uh, once we get through the news, we will say our goodbyes and we'll be out of here. So... What do we have in the news? Okay, so the big news for the week is that Roman Reigns will be making his return to WWE television this coming Monday, uh, Monday Night Raw from Atlanta, Georgia. He will be making an appearance to update all of us on his health status, so hopefully he'll be showing up with some good news. Um, Secondly, uh, (laughs) Chris Hemsworth is reportedly uh, (laughs) playing Hulk Hogan. Uh, the Immortal One, in an upcoming Eric Bischoff-produced biopic about the origins of Hulkamania. Oh, boy. So there's all oh ki- boy. there's all kinds of interesting things in that sentence. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to keep an eye on it and see how that unfolds. Well, he certainly has the body for it. I don't know if the Australian <laughs> accent will be a problem yeah, or not. Well, you know, but, he's uh, blonde enough. He's, he's certainly, certainly blonde, blonde enough. enough. <laughs> yep. uh, well, let me tell you something, bro Thor. I wonder if they're going to give him kind of the U-shaped bald yeah. head. If yeah. he's going to have to shave part of his I'm head. I'm not sure I want to see that. But uh, <laughs> make it hard to watch I mean, Thor after there's that. There's a lot of things that would describe Hulk Hogan. I don't think sexy would be one no, of them. No, no. Chris Hemsworth. I would think most people would agree he's, yeah. he's more of the sexy look. <laughs> Talk about the unstoppable force meets the immovable object. Yeah, uh, it's a little Hulk inter- Hogan it's an interesting casting decision. The sexiness decision. of Chris Hemsworth. All yeah, right, certainly a capable <laughs> actor. I don't know if he can pull off an American accent very well, but we'll see. <laughs> you know. And lastly, uh, three releases in WWE this week. Um, two of them expected. One of them not so expected. Uh, Ty Dillinger requested his release and received it. Uh, Hideo Itami, who had already given, uh, who had already requested his release, um, and then took the pin at Royal Rumble in the Cruiserweight Championship match, has also been released officially now. And then TJP, um, who was the first Cruiserweight Champion, uh, has has not been on TV all that much. He wrestled on 205 Live last week against Humberto Carrillo, but haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, he's also been released, so. Three lower card guys, um, you know, not a lot to say about that. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think, again, maybe another topic for the future, but I, I feel like the main roster has no solution for guys that kind of fall through the cracks. You know, if they bring them up through NXT or they get them from some other organization, New Japan, whatever, and they just they get on TV and for whatever reason, they just don't strike gold. They just hmm. don't break through, you know. I think 
there's a lot of people that we often see at like the Royal Rumbles and what have you that just suddenly make an appearance that you see and you're like, oh, I forgot they existed. Mm, All right. Uh, There's no solution for them. It's either they get frustrated enough that they leave and that they just do the in-house shows to kind of fill time at the beginning of the in-house shows uh, or uh, they go to another organization completely and become a competitor. And I feel like with the problem with NXT, losing four very talented individuals to the main roster, potentially, you know, completely in the near future, maybe it would be a wise practice to kind of give these characters that for whatever reason don't break through an option to go back or go down a tier to NXT. Now, I say tier in quotes because clearly the quality is still there. Mm -hmm. Um but in terms of broadcasting, go down a tier where they can develop a little bit more, kind of figure out what they did wrong, what wasn't working, maybe even change character, try something new, hmm. um, and then tr- down the road when they've clearly earned it and clearly gotten the goodwill of the fans, go back to the main roster and kind of give them a second chance or a third chance to kind of really have a moment to shine uh, on the main stage and hmm. WWE on Raw or SmackDown or what have you. Um but as it's, it currently stands, NXT is the developmental channel where you, the new guys come in, they go to NXT, they develop, and then they get released into the wild. And then from there, it's either sink or swim. And if you sink, you either leave and go to another show or you just drop off the face of the planet and no mm-hmm. one sees your face or hears your name ever again. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there's a lot of people like that. And, you know, maybe uh, the, the Lucha Party, mm-hmm. you know. Those guys, they're great. They're mm. great in-ring performers, but we hardly ever see them mm-hmm. because they just don't have an interesting dynamic. They're just, you know, they're kind of like a comedy troupe slash, you know, circus acrobatic troupe that come in once in a while, put on a cool display, and then you forget about them and they're gone. Mm-hmm. They would be great additions to, say, the current NXT cast that is about to lose a lot of talent. Mm. And maybe those guys could go off and be independent on NXT and try to develop their own little career aside from the the lucha the lucha party you know mm. uh, this it's just an example that i'm pulling out of my ass i'm sure there's better examples out there but i wonder if there's some better solutions out there yeah there are a lot of guys i can think of that that would make sense for for some reason it seems to be a move that wwe has really shied away from that they don't resort to all that often i mean i can't think of any examples that really come to mind but i can think of a lot of people i think it would make sense for um i think i I would i agree with what you said and i would but i would add part of it is on creative of the main roster i mean there is a part of it where you're calling these people up and then you don't know what to do with them and then they get there and then they sit in catering until they quit (laughs) sure and you know there is a part of that that is on creative i mean we're seeing it right now with ec3 EC3, the thing that he does best is talk on the microphone, and he hasn't been given a microphone For one two time. two weeks. So is that <laughs> two e- showings. So if EC3 continues to not talk and not catch fire, is that on EC3? I would say no, that's on creative. They didn't give yep. him the chance to showcase what he does best. Yep, you, um, you bring up a great point. You know, you yep. talk about sanity. You know, you brought sanity up to be this scary stable. They come up, they lose to everybody they face for a couple months, and then they're gone. And, and it's dis- like, disappear. what yeah. opportunity did they have to really shine on the main roster and make Absolutely. their name known? So I think yeah. There's a combination of things. There are certain people that just don't catch fire. I think Ty Dillinger 
you know, it's probably one of those. I think he's one of those guys that yeah. just it wasn't going to happen. But I think that there's certain. I think Hideo Itami is probably a missed opportunity. He's one of the better Japanese professional wrestlers on planet Earth, and you really didn't do anything with him, and he didn't get a lot of exposure, and now he's unsatisfied and he's gone. That's that's a missed opportunity. So they got to start using the guys that they are bringing up better. They got to make sure if they're going to bring someone up, they have a plan for them. Yep. But also, it is certainly on the guys to make the most of their opportunities that they get. But they've got to be given fair shakes. Yep, I totally agree, and that's the. We'll we'll shelve that for now. Maybe yes. bring it up for a future uh, <laughs> podcast topic. Um, so, uh, without further ado, I want to thank you for sticking with us through another great episode of Hit the Mats podcast. Of course, as a reminder, we are now on Spotify. So be sure to check us out on Stitcher, on Spotify, on iTunes, and of course on our YouTube channel, Hit the Books Vids, um, where we host both uh, the Hit the Books podcast featuring our comic book show and uh our wrestling podcast here with hit the mats podcast um as a reminder we do have a patreon page uh it's patreon.com forward slash hit the books if you feel so generous as to contribute we'd really appreciate it and it would go a long ways towards uh keeping the show going and on time and producing future shows for your enjoyment of course there's no obligation to contribute if you do not feel the need or you are not able Please feel free to keep coming back to the show, listening, watching, enjoying, interacting with us. Uh, Be sure to like and subscribe us on our YouTube channel. Rate us well elsewhere. Uh, All this stuff really does help us out. Uh, Subscribe. We're trying to get over to uh, over 100 subscribers total on YouTube. Uh, Of course, we got a ton of listeners on uh, iTunes and Stitcher, which really does help us out. But uh, those YouTube subscribers really help us push push it over the edge so we can actually do a few more things and uh, bring you guys more content. So... I uh, really want to thank you f- uh, for watching, listening, and all the support you give us. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter at htbvids. You can talk to us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash hit the books. You can go to our website, www.htbvids.com, uh, where you can find links to literally every single one of these feeds if you need a really easy and convenient way to uh, find them. Um, Be sure to subscribe on the podcast services you choose. It really does help us out, just like the YouTube subscriptions. And, uh, of course, feel free to interact with us on the YouTube comments. Uh, I do monitor them, and I do respond to them when I see them. So uh, feel free to interact there as well. I think I covered everything. Is that everything? I think that's everything. I hope that's everything. I apologize if I forgot anything, but uh, hopefully that's everything. So, without further ado, thank you very much for watching Hit the Mats Podcast. We will see you next week!